Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. As it is always, it's a Monday during football season. That means we're going to be coming to you more than likely after another Bearcat win. This is a special one. The, the, the final regular season win, pardon me, not regular season, the final out-of-conference, non-conference win against a quote-unquote P5 team for the rest of time for the Bearcat football team as they get ready to head into conference play. It was a spectacular 45-24 to 24 victory. We could just stop and say it was a 38-10 to 10 point win, and then the second half was nothing. But here to break it all down, here to drop it all down, is none other than my two pals, my partners, my guys, one up in the box, one down on the field, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel. Gentlemen, how are we? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Hopefully we get to bring Kelly home tomorrow. So excited about that. And Aaron, how are we? Oh, Aaron, Mr. Mr. Sorry. Long day with the baby. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long day. She's been fussy today, so. Okay, okay. Well, Ryan Royer, back from a one-week hiatus, a special... Special time last uh, last Monday. Uh, happy belated birthday to you! And, Thank uh, you. Of course, welcome out of the pod, Ryan Royer. How are we? Ready to talk Bearcats, man. It's been a long thirteen days. I miss you guys. Coming off a big win, so I'm excited to get into it. I miss you big time as well. How how was the dinner? How was the birthday? Fill us in on all that real quick. <laughs> it was great. Got wine and dined by the lady. Precinct Jeff Ruby's phenomenal. Uh, first class service, first class food, first time going there, and it's pretty hard to get into it. I hear so she pulled uh, pulled a nice surprise for me. So, not that you guys aren't important, but I mean, you know, turn a, <laughs> when you turn twenty four, when you turn twenty four, and you get to go to the precinct to celebrate such a monumental birthday, you got to do it. You know, yes. I mean, Garrett was in here trying to take your job, bro. Oh, I mean, I don't doubt that at all. Garrett's the man. I love Garrett. Miss that guy. Would run, would uh, run into him at Crunch Fitness a bunch. Him, Will Stir. I mean, he's uh, Garrett's yoked right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a guy who should have been playing in the NFL. I tell him that all the time too. Yeah, it's a I tragedy. Uh, Jared wants to know what 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 was the stake for uh, for Mister Bearcat? What was the order? I went with the New York Strip. Obviously, yeah. medium rare. You got yep. the. Good cook. Uh, we got the the oysters. The oysters were phenomenal. Got some oh. oysters there. Tried to be a little fancy. <laughs> Had a little red wine too. Okay. It's good. Oh, oh, and they they gave me it's like a little uh, a little brownie cookie thing for my birthday with the candle. So that was nice. So thank you to the Mr. Ruby. What a wonderful man. Nice. <laughs> you didn't go with the steak burrow. Is that one still on the menu, or is that? It is. It is. I, uh, I wanted to try the strip, you know, that yeah. I've, I've been a couple other steakhouses I went to. I got the fillets and thought I'd switch it up a little bit. So okay. not that I go a lot. I don't want to sound like Mr. Rich guy here. Definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Want to switch it up, you know, get a little, yeah. little strip. You're, you're an engineer, man. You're, you're allowed to soak up that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about that engineer. Uh, it's entry level. Salary. Entry level salary. <laughs> I think a couple of my buddies in the NFL might be making a little bit more, but 
There we just go. Act. We'll act. They're, they're, you're going to Ruby's and they're paying when they come back to town. Oh, yeah. We're hoping Alec. We're hoping Alec can come down uh, for homecoming. They got a Thursday night game. He was talking oh, about sweet. maybe coming down. So gonna have to milk him a little bit for a little little beer money or something. He had a nice day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Getting a couple catches. Got on track. Jerome Ford. That's Alec this week too. Yeah, Jerome uh, he, Ford. He was at the Indiana game. Oh, nice. That's good. He, with his diamond crusted built for tough. <laughs> oh, that's I haven't seen that one. I mean, oh, sauce is nice. always, you got the sauce chains coming out all the time from Amon. That's I mean, that one is always polarizing. So I wish I could have saw here switch up from Jerome. Are you pulling it up? I was gonna pull up Justin's picture. Yeah, I got too, it. I got it. Yeah, the built fort top. It's literally exactly like the emblem, but it's a uh, hopefully that it's not copyrighted or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the I don't the think that's how chains nice. work. He's got to get nice. a. He's got to get a little sponsorship from Ford if he keeps making a name for himself. There oh, that's <laughs> that's legit. I love that. I wonder if he stopped by Martino's, his little stomping grounds after the game. I bet you he did. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Well, you know, speaking of Fords, though, if if your Ford needs a little fixing, uh, it's not quite <laughs> build Fort tough anymore. You can head on over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Uh, you know. Mention uh, Ryan Royer. Mention uh, the Stake Borough. Mention Jerome Ford or Aaron Smith or Chatty B, and they'll hook it up for you. Ten percent off your next uh, your next doing. Ten dollars off your next oil change. Bada bing, bada boom. But I tell you one thing that didn't need much fixing in the first half against Indiana was that offensive attack. Well, pretty much that passing attack of the Bearcats. Ben Bryant, Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker. It was a phenomenal start against what was an undefeated Indiana team, giving up a bunch of yardage against other teams, but still undefeated, finding ways to win. But, man, Ryan, fireworks show in the first half. Yeah, I mean, capping it off, too, with a big man tutty from my boy Damo. You got to love that. And, of course, Eric Phillips making the strip sack. I mean, not even surprised anymore about that, given his first uh, four games this season. But, yeah, that – that was a great first half. I mean, you, you know, you know that uh, Coach Fickle and the staff was probably – you can't play like that in the second half. You got to, you know, play a full game, um, especially when you're playing against, you know, like bigger opponents. I think we just were able to really come out in the first half and establish our dominance and really uh, get a good gap there because you can't – you aren't going to be able to min, uh, win many games when you don't play 60 full minutes like – like we did on Saturday, but just shows how great the Bearcats really did play in the first half. So I, I loved it just seeing Ben come, uh, you know, show show the type of arm talent he is, and Tyler Scott showing the type of playmaker he is. I love seeing that. It just comes to show what a, what a couple weeks can do. You know, from that Arkansas game, we we're sitting here. You know, people were panicking, freaking out, and you know, we talked about how you need to just. You know, sometimes new quarterback and get with his receivers and give them a couple weeks, and that's exactly what you're seeing now. So, just shows how much better they're going to be towards the end of the year. I'm excited. Yeah, surprised at all? Were you surprised at all that uh, it's Tyler Scott that ends up putting up a historic number in three receiving touchdowns that had never been done in Cincinnati's history in the first half? In a half. In a, in a half oh sorry. yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm not that when you say it like that, obviously you should be surprised because a career day like that, you know, you don't really expect from anyone. But 
Tyler, you know, you knew he was special. You knew he has that next level speed and it's just showing how, how much his route running's improved, just showing how good of a job coach Mike Brown does. I mean, you'd look at the development he's developed guys like Alec Pierce, what he came, what he turned Alec into. And now you're seeing Tyler Scott, you know, that's, that's looking like the next Alec Pierce too. Who knows? Maybe even better. He's a young guy. Don't tell Alec I said that, but um, I'm not surprised. And, you know, I think Tyler's just going to get better, especially coming into conference play. Did you, did you watch closely on that post, what he did to the corner? I did not. I did not see exactly. So he, he basically spun him in a circle and, and, Take me through that when when you're trying to defend a guy with that much speed. How and this is a guy that the, the defender's first team all Big Ten potential all American type guy. When somebody that fast has that ability to 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 go this way, to go that way, how much are you just on skates like anytime he tries to to show you something? Because I think he runs the post as as well as anybody I've seen. Yeah, it's the straight line speed. He's able to close the gap with that corner and like get him guessing quick. So the way he closes that space, the corner isn't able to to backpedal nearly <laughs> fast enough to be able to, you know, if he makes a one false step, he could sometimes overcorrect it. But guys like uh, Tyler Scott, I mean, they're just out in a hurry and they're breaking. He's so good, like he said, out of his cuts. And that just the DBs, they they make one false move. They know they got to react fast and they can't keep their feet under them. And that's exactly why that post route is so good for Tyler. It's that closing speed right out, right out of the route. Um, one cut, stick your foot in the ground and go. I mean, when you're running like damn near high four twos is what he's he was pushing him and Trey Tucker. Yeah, but I mean, four two nines. Yeah, like that's you can't like that's that's speed you you can't like. You can't teach. It's it's a gift, and it's it's NFL talent, and that's exactly what you're you're seeing him do. You're seeing him do to an NFL talent corner, putting him on skates, putting up three tutties first half. I mean, you gotta love it. it. Just shows how special he is. Yeah, so I was gonna say, I is is it about time where the country starts to take a closer look at at Tyler Scott? I mean, you have wide receivers in the NFL right now. It's you know, yes, you have those kind of Megatron still built six foot four, six foot five guys like a T Higgins, but then you have the, the quicker, the, the you know, the, the Jalen Waddles and the, you know, Tyreek Hills and Terry McLaurin's of the world, you know, even Jamar Chase pushing six foot. It's, is it time that people start thinking about Tyler Scott and the NFL as soon as even at possibly at the end of this year, because what he's put together the past two weeks, you can imagine that's going to be the same thing going on all throughout conference play against the AAC. Chad and Aaron, you guys break down the AAC every single Sunday. I mean, it seems like these are some highlight numbers. Exactly. And, and it's going to be the highlight <laughs> of your year every year from here on out. I'm excited for it. But, it, I mean, do you think that this is the start of something where people start to recognize, wow, there's this speedster down there in Cincinnati that's blowing teams away, scoring touchdowns, getting wide open on his routes, and catching everything thrown his way? hundred percent. And I think that's kind of how it's been at Cincinnati with, with, we've had a lot of solid receivers, even into the Tuberville years, guys that get drafted, scouts, see them, scouts, find them, but the media doesn't really pick up on them. You saw that with Alec. They just started catching on to him as we went on that run towards the end of the year and pushed into the playoff and the way he tested uh, for the combine 
but still it wasn't like a ton of like hype and you know who knows maybe after after alec after like seeing all these guys in the nfl all these receivers we've had get drafted or and put together solid college careers maybe they should because i think tyler scott's gonna make more noise i mean he's not done he's gonna keep i think he's gonna play better each and every week and i think they're gonna they the coaching staff they they're seeing what they have now more and more they're gonna want to be they're gonna be uh have him as a guy they can depend on they're gonna run dial up more routes more passing concepts around him especially how good ben's been with him he's been a guy ben could count on ben's just even on that uh that touchdown he dropped right in the basket. Ben's starting to uh, trust him and just throw the ball out there and let Tyler go make a play. And he's starting to make him. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a bold statement, Ryan. Let's hear it. I think he's a better route runner than he is a speedster. Probably. I mean, there's a reason why he's open. You know, he's not, just it's not just that he's fast, of, man. Yeah. Like he is running impressive routes. Yeah. And it's just the speed, you know, because we know him. We know his numbers. We know, like, you guys come to workouts. You come to the summer workouts. He's winning all the sprints. Him and Trey are just miles ahead of everyone. Except Drew. You, you just, oh, yeah, Drew Donnelly. Forgot about him. Yeah. And, and you kind of just, you get <laughs> I don't know about that. Bryce Burton's pushing him up there, too. Yeah, a little Bryce, bit. yeah Bryce, Bryce, Bryce has got wheels. <laughs> You got to get fixated on the speed, but then you're like, I mean, he's not just running down the sideline. Like he's running right. digs, he's running posts, he's running plays that call that require multiple running routes that require multiple cuts in his route, and he's wide ass open, and it's not running down the sideline. So I agree with you. That route running is special, and it kind of gets overlooked by that speed, which blows me away because he didn't play wide receiver growing up. He was a running back. He didn't play wide receiver until he got to Cincinnati. It shows how smart he is and how much yeah. of, how much he works and how much of a student of the game he is because to make that leap from having never played the position yeah. to playing the position at the highest level of the sport is in it's year three. Like he's done yeah. this so fast. Oh, it just shows that like it's exponential. Like this ceiling is this isn't his ceiling. Like he's got more. Yeah. I mean just wide receiver is so technical. People people think, oh, you, sometimes it's just uh, running running a straight line, jumping up as high as you can, and just grabbing the ball away from people. I mean, we're talking um, pre breaking off the press. We're talking multi the ways they're able to lower their hips, run their routes, cut in and out of breaks. It's it's so technical, and that's something that Coach uh, Mike Brown has really embraced and done a great job with our guys. Coach Brown is super technical. He's he's a great coach. He played the game. He played the game at the highest level. And that's why you're seeing guys just getting so much better. And guys who are gonna Tyler Scott's gonna get drafted. I think all there's plenty of young guys who have plenty of opportunity to develop and get right back to uh, get right into that conversation too. So Tyler Scott is not done. He's gonna get better. You've never put Tyler Scott's head in the fan, I can guarantee that. <laughs> Man, yeah, we haven't actually. We gotta, we gotta make a couple calls. The neck pillow gets in the way. Yeah, he's at home with his robe on, his neck pillow, the candle yeah. going. He's a chill guy. He likes, he likes to cool it down a little bit. You know, the, the the funny thing about Tyler Scott this past week was he came down to IU in Cincinnati as his uh, making his college decision, and yeah. the his host at 
IU when he went on his visit there was Tywin Mullen, who he was then you know, kind of tearing up on the field this past <laughs> Saturday as well. So he he laughed about that in the post game presser. But yeah, you, you know I used to text Tyler every you know Saturday and and ask him how he did that the, the night prior for the you know the weekend wrap up of the incoming recruits. And he actually had a bum ankle for a good chunk of his senior year. I'd be interested to see you know if he kind of blew up a little bit even more his senior season if he didn't you know wasn't hampered by a bit of an ankle injury during the early parts but man he's really he's blowing up now his his receiving yards was the second most in the country yesterday at 185 and out of the top 10 receivers that had the top yardage this past week he he led all of them with 10 receiving 10 receptions and had three touchdowns on top as we've mentioned before i mean i don't know how you don't start talking about him a little bit more he fits that mold of of what the NFL is looking for, just fast, you know, guys that can get open, guys that can make people miss when they do have the ball. Yeah, finds the end zone. That's yeah. something I've noticed. He, if, if he's running down 20 and in, uh, mm-hmm. he, he's going to find the end zone. That's a big deal. Like, you see that with our guys on defense. Sometimes we struggle We struggle the past couple of years getting in the end zone on those, on those picks. That's like – getting automatic points and not settling for field goals, not getting tackled because people don't understand how hard it is to score. When you get inside the 20, that field shrinks down. Yeah. You do, offenses don't like being in the red zone. It, it limits their calls. It, it makes it easier on the defense, less, less uh, uh, area we have to cover. So getting into the end zone is, is huge. And that's something he does a great job of. And then people need to start taking notice of that, how important that is in his game. So he's a junior so obviously, uh, he's he's eligible to, to to head on, but you know, it, who knows? Hopefully, he just continues this hot streak that he's on right now, yeah. and just continues to blow up and uh, get on the national scene. And speaking of, uh, we we do have to touch on Ben Bryant because you know, as you as you mentioned a little bit, Ryan, and as everyone else has mentioned throughout the weekend, I mean, his his first half was up there, some of the better first halves ever for a quarterback in a Cincinnati uniform. Uh, the crazy thing about Ben's final stat line is that he he is now thrown three separate games for 354 yards right on the dot. That's his career high is 354. He just has not been able to get over <laughs> that hump of 354. He did it twice last year at Eastern. Uh, you know, kind of just open, open-ended to all you guys. You think it is just that game reps, the, uh, the ability to say, okay, when, when, Tyler's making this cut here or Trey's going to be open if I just give him like a two second pause. And on top of that is just the ability to just sit in the pocket for as long as he wants to as well. I mean, there's a lot of prolific passers that have come through Cincinnati, but the stats that he has the ability to put up for the rest of the year, I feel like it's going to be up there with some of the all time great single seasons that have been seen in Cincinnati history. hundred percent. I mean, he was already what before the game. He was was he third or fourth most most yards in history of UC in the first three games. It was like Gunner Keel, Gino, and then him. Is that what it was? Yeah, I was looking at Gunner. I I was going to make a different point, so I actually have Gunner Keel stats up right now. Yeah, Toledo four eighteen, Miami of Ohio two seventy one. Toledo four eighteen six touchdowns, Miami of Ohio two seventy one four touchdowns. Ohio State, 352, four touchdowns. That was the yeah. first three games of Gunnar Keel's career. Yeah. Well, Pretty in that Toledo <laughs> game, he was on fire. 
Yeah. I don't know. Is that Toledo game the first half where he had the most, or was that against Ohio State? You know, 300 plus yards. Because I know Ben right, was the first. They have 418 right. against Toledo. <laughs> Golly. But yeah, I, I mean, he's got to be out there final, just stat wise, passing yardage and all those. I, he's got to be out there with the tops in, uh, in single season history for the Bearcats. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to push for about 4,000 yards. Yeah. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> I think it'd be okay. <laughs> and I think we all we all knew that this was like that's what he was capable of. And we knew he we knew he was gonna he had the talent. And you know, people are tend to freak out, you know, first week with Arkansas. And I think we all kind of said we just need to like, yeah, we don't want to lose. Losing sucks, but Ben is the guy for a reason, and you saw exactly why. Um, in the first half, I mean, just throws that I haven't seen made at, in my time at UC. No knock on Des, but just the 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 accuracy, the the strength, and just the poise in the pocket. I mean, I I I think he's going to have a record year. I'm calling it now. I think he's going to make a big, especially playing 14 games. You know, we're gonna we got to take care of business in the conference and get to the championship game. Playing 14 games, um, he's. I think he can make a big push for that record. So that's my that's my bold prediction there. Ben Bryant, UC season record in yards passing. Yeah, because I mean I'm I'm looking at it now and it says season records and passing yardage and in, in one season was was Geno back in 2002. He had 3,543 yards. So all is uh, all is lining up for that to be at least met or, or topped, but this is, this is from 2019. So I don't know off the top of my head, what Des finished with last season, but um, I would imagine it'll be, it'll be right there up, up on the top, but who knows? So Ben Bryant, obviously on fire. We'll, we'll get to the second half in a bit, but I want to talk about a little bit more in the first half. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the interception by Brian threats who then gets tackled by, Ty Van Fossen on his way <laughs> to the end zone. God. Man, what's that, was up with the, that was an easy touchdown. Yeah. What's up with the Black Cats? <laughs> is, is it because Ty said, no, if we're getting in the end zone, it's got to be an upperclassman because we've been yeah. trying to get in the Ty, end zone for no, so much? Ty was like, Ivan's kind of taken away from my tackle numbers. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to get on the board a little bit more. I think Ty was just mad that he always fell short on his picks. He's had a couple opportunities <laughs> in practice and scrimmages and in a game. He just can't seem to find the end zone. So he's like, you know, if I can't do it, there's no way I'm letting this threats kid, fellow Columbus guy, take my take my spotlight. I got to get this guy down. But that's that hurt too. We got we got a field goal out of that. Like that's like we have to get into we got to get in the damn end zone. Like yeah. I was I was. I mean, it was great. I mean, great play, great return. You just got to get in the damn end zone. You know, you can't have that. Chad, Aaron, Ryan, uh, what do you think the issue has been? Because it does seem like during the the fickle tenure, when it, when it is five yards and in, it it you know, and Ryan, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You know how the the field gets compacted, this, that, and the other. But it does seem like the team at times struggles to get that push into the end zone. Yeah, I just uh, think, think play calling yeah. gets reserved. Like it, it's it's strange. It, same thing kind of happened in the second half, I think. Um, but 
just seems like they get so they fall so in love with the north and south running, trying to run the halfback dive or an ISO right up the middle or something of that nature that they just I, I don't know what it is. Here's my question, Ryan. This was a, a, a loud sentiment among the fan base. <clears throat> Do you think they need to get Josh and Lenny more involved in, in those, you know, inside the 10, inside the five type snaps? Uh, I mean, they're big. They're guys that you can throw the ball up to. I mean, we liked doing that with Alec last year. I mean, I, I, my personal belief is I think on the five-yard line, we should run the ball four times. And if we can't get five yards and four runs, then I think that's on our O-line. And I think that's, I think that's something our O-line is completely capable of. So I know what you mean, Aaron, that, um, you know, it gets kind of repetitive, but that's yeah. kind of how our, that's how our program, it, like it's, that's our culture. Like, all right, like we should, we need to be able to get more than one yard of a play and be able to get in the end zone, like by just running the ball. That's how our offense, that's how our culture is established. Um, but yeah, you you can definitely incorporating Josh and Lenny, split those guys out, run more of the, the, uh, the skip play, get them involved in like a little RPO skip option. Cause you know, the, people are going to fixate on, they're going to fixate on Josh and Lenny. And even if we don't get them the ball, that's going to give just more room for our running back quarterback, maybe to stick his foot in the ground and get in the end zone. But yeah, I mean, you could open the playbook up, but honestly, it just comes down to like man on man. You gotta you gotta get more than a yard to play on a rush from inside the five and just get in the damn end zone. I guess that leaves me with the question of is it more an indictment on the offensive line not being able to get the push? Is it more an indictment on we haven't found a bell cow yet in a running back, or is it just simple play calling? I think our offense, uh, our offensive line, they, they tell you they could have played better, but 30 rushes for 40 yards. Is that what it, it came out to be? Something, like, that's not acceptable. Not yeah, and they know that, and they're going to get better. They will. And, you know, I thought our running back was – there was a bit – there wasn't a lot of lanes to run through like normal. Um, I thought our, our backs were getting, were getting hit, like, around at or one yard past the line of scrimmage. Um and you know they're gonna get that. They're gonna get that right. Those guys, great group of guys, great room, great leadership. They're gonna figure that. They're gonna figure that out. And we got to get the run game going. I mean, our passing game was on fire, but yeah. you can't you can't be thirty attempts for forty yards. That's just not a that's not Bearcat football. Were you surprised in the second half of a game where they trailed by at times four touchdowns? that Indiana was going seven, eight in the box, bare front, five defensive linemen. Like they were selling out as if they they believed Luke Fickle was going to try to shorten the game. And, and they, they saw an opportunity to force three and outs and to get the ball back a bunch of times. Are you surprised? Most teams don't do that. Most teams, when they get lit up for 315 yards in the first half, say we got to stop the pass. And Indiana said, we're going to stop the run. And it if their offense was any better, it probably would have got them back in the game. Yeah, uh, got to make that adjustment. I mean, what's working, what's not. You know, I think our O-line was struggling and our passing game was – it's a balance. You know, you got – you got passing doing well, but you don't want to, you want to get the clock running. You got, you want guys in bounds. You don't want incompletions. You don't want to get your quarterback hit in a big lead. 
So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good with relying on the O-line for a little bit and be like, all right, let's lean on the guys. Let's get a push. But, you know, it comes a certain point in time where it wasn't working. I do think they should have went get Tyler Scott the ball, maybe get Trey Tucker the ball lateral, a little a jet sweep, something like that, change up the pace a little bit. But, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I don't know that side of the game that well. I'm not going to sit back here and play what we could have done, Mr. Gino, but – Monday morning they, quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And I don't like, that's the thing about me. I, I play defense. I, I know defense, but mm-hmm. I, I know football. I don't want to sit here and say like, Oh, we should have did this, this, and this. We were, we were stupid here. I mean, they had a reason for everything they were doing and I think they're going to learn from their mistakes and a line will get better. Play calling will get better. And I don't think we're going to have another, another half like that. So. Yeah. I, well, cause you know, kind of going back to the five yards and in, I mean, it was a, pass to Trey Tucker on third down when it was, you know, first and goal inside of the 10. And it still took, you know, with if not for a good – that was a good play call. Trey was pretty wide open and, and Ben delivered a good ball. But, and again, if that somehow falls incomplete, then that's another field goal on a goal to go. And then, of course, you know, in the in the fourth quarter, it, they were set up first and goal at the, at the two-yard line with your opponent pretty uh, defeated by that point. It took getting all the way to third down to punch yep. that in to the end zone as well. So, I, you know, it's just something like that, you know, whether it be play calling or getting a good push or, you know, as many rushing attempts to get it in, I agree. But uh, definitely something that that's always kind of boggled my mind because it, the offense can move the ball so well, but when it does get kind of crunched up like that, then uh, sometimes it seems like, yeah, a, a field goal is what the settle is. But aside from that, if, if we have to talk on the second half, I've got kind of just an interesting thought. Uh, for, for you guys to, to munch on or just completely just chew up and throw back in my face. Uh, you know, when, when you go up 38 to 10 at, at halftime and you go into the locker room and you kind of have that mentality of like, I mean, we are a lot better than this team. I, you know, at, at what point does the kind of cruise control turn on and whether that can affect you quickly offensively where you get out of the rhythm that you had in the first half and all of a sudden you're scrambling trying to find that rhythm and in the same sense you kind of tone things down to, to to run the clock and whatnot but I mean pushing the pedal to the metal you know at at what point is it where you do change up the offensive game plan because it seemed like that's what they tried to do in the second half and I mean it just you know did you want to see them maybe come out the next few drives and continue looking to throw the football or is it trying to establish the run is what you guys think should be the motive? Well, we okay. want to establish the run the whole game too, but go ahead. Yeah. Aaron. sorry. Didn't I, I was just going to, I was going to ask you a very similar question. So I was curious to see what your reaction was as well. Uh, just kind of your, like what the locker room has been like, obviously last year was a little bit different with the college football playoff implications. And when you weren't putting up style points that counted against you for, reasons that are absolutely ridiculous but yeah just kind of wanted to get your idea on that as well good good question brent um yeah it's it's so basically our our program it was always like we don't take our foot off the gas like the mentality is the same like no mercy like if we're beating these guys let's beat them more let's score more let's let's blitz more let's we're gonna play our game our style no matter if we're winning by 40 losing by 10 you name it um, 
but you know the human element always kicks in it's like oh and this is this is a little nice this is nicer than i thought it was gonna be we're winning it's easy and but our coaches and like our guys were we have a culture we we try to fight and and push that human element back that kind of like that coasting that coasting part of having a big lead and you know obviously football you you gotta like you gotta like uh play the game smart like you're not you shouldn't go out in the second half and throw the ball 50 times when you're up 28 but just and that i don't think that means you're changing a mentality by not throwing the ball i think you're playing smart but you got to trust in your in your team and like the culture we have that yeah we might run the ball more because that's that's what you should do in this situation but we're not like going to take it easy like we're not letting up and i don't think our guys were doing that i just think we got to I just think we got to be better. got to play better. And I think the O-line is going to get things straightened out. And next time we have a 28-point lead, we're going to add 14 more points and way more time of possession in the second half because the run game is going to be sorted out. So, But, yeah, it's never it's never foot off the gas. It's always pedal to the metal, full go. That's how we play the game. That's the only way to play the game uh, when you're playing for UC. I guess to piggyback off that question from Brent, um, when you're up 38 to 10 and then you end up winning by 21, but only because you put a, a touchdown in after a very late interception, what's the locker room like with Coach Fickle after that kind of a win? Uh, basically, Coach Fickle, this is what I love about Coach Fickle. When, he, when you win, we celebrate, we celebrate. You know, you only get what 12 guaranteed games. Um, in a season and coach fickle preaches that I love it because football, that's one thing about football. You, you train year round for 12 opportunities and it's a big deal when you win and we celebrate. That's some of my favorite times celebrating any game. We find a way to celebrate, be with each other and have a good time. But then Sunday we come in and like, we played like shit. We're going to be told we play like shit. We're going to know we played like shit. And we're going to fix it in practice. And that's, that's just the way it is. But it's, it's coach Vic, like there'll be times like last year, like the two lane game where we didn't play well and we kind of like should have won by a lot more and we didn't, but coach Vic came in. And he's like, who went to win when it ain't easy. Like trying to like, he's like all hype trying to get us gone. That's why I always loved about coach fickle. Um, that he loved winning and he always made sure we knew how important winning was, but Obviously, Sunday, I know he's going to be in there and say we should have won by 40. We should have won by more than we did. So, Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and, I mean, kind of the second half, I'd be interested to see what happened if, you know, that the past two Lenny maybe didn't have the amount of, you know, heat that it had or was, you know, wasn't, you know, tipped and deflected and then fell right into the lap of, of Molin of IU. You know, if if points were able to be put on the board, at least some sort of a drive was to be sustained for the Bearcats to open up the second half. If that would completely wipe away any thought of of Indiana feeling like they can make a comeback, because they've come back in every single game this year. Uh, you know, they were they've been down at half. They were down ten nothing to Idaho. They were, you know, just constantly their mo was not giving up and having the ability to come back and win at the end. So maybe that interception and then turning that into a touchdown for them kind of was a glimmer of hope for them. Yeah. That's the reason why they kind of, you know, strapped up and, and tried to completely play lockdown defense, especially against the run, because it, it did seem like the offense was a little off, whether it be the adjustments Indiana made or whether it be 
kind of just throwing off rhythm or whatnot. But, you know, in the end, as Aaron's mentioned, and as, as it's obviously true, Cincinnati won the game pretty handily, 45-24. I want to talk about some more positive stuff. I mean, the defense has to step up and when, when the offense is struggling to that point. And to only give up 14 points, two touchdowns in the second half when you have, like, I believe it was four or five straight three and outs that, that gave the ball back to the Hoosiers just over and over again. And the play of, you know, we've kind of already mentioned it, but Eric Phillips, Ivan Pace continuing. But, I, I mean, in the middle, I, I'm blown away by how good Dante Corleone has looked and believe that he has just unbelievable upside already as a, as a retro freshman. I mean, is that kind of the complimentary side of football, even though they only let up, you know, 10 points in the first half? but still the ability for the offense to blow up in the first half and then the defense being the one that needed to step up in the second and make sure that they can right the ship. Yeah. I thought like, like you said, you're highlighting those guys who stepped up and I, you know, losing Arquan to an injury. That's tough. He's our best player in the secondary, but you know, young guys stepping in uh, Justin Harris stepping in, maybe got to work on like maybe a little less penalties, but I know they're, they're going to work on that and, it's just it's it's good getting guys in there and getting them reps too, because you know we got we've had the past couple of years we've had a lockdown secondary the depth chart's been pretty locked, and it's been it's going to be locked this year too with like Arquan Taj, um, uh, threats and Hicks and just you know guys stepping up and getting in there and getting reps but and learn you got to learn from some of those mistakes in the secondary and it's it's you're you know you're fortunate to have those guys in there at, at a gets a good opponent with a good lead, you know, but you know, some of those mistakes, if it was a, t- a tighter game, you know, it'd be a lot more mi- magnifying glass on them, but I think they'll be fine anyway. But yeah, the D line, Ivan pace, those guys are just, they're lights out. They've been lights out. They will be lights out the whole year. They're going to get better, which is scary, scary, scary. I mean, to be able to see like Eric Phillips, I, we knew Eric Phillips was a, was a dog, but like this right. amount of production, it's just I, I wasn't seeing it. I'm damn happy I am though. I love it. <laughs> Noah Potter. I mean, play after play, just driving the tackle. I mean, he was he's not even doing anything. Just play after play, just boom, boom, boom. Let's go for a ride, buddy. Let's go for a ride right to the it's quarterback. Like practice reps, right? Like yeah. I noticed that too. Like every snap, he was just like, "All right, I'm taking you to the backfield again." Yeah. All right, I'm taking you to the backfield again. Yeah. This is and this is a and you know what I love about it is like. This was a team that we would all like a couple years ago. It was always a battle for recruits. And then now you just see, I think this is a, a great example of where the program's at and the recruiting and the development of the players that was supposed to be a team. Indiana was supposed to be a team that was like level head to head with Bearcats type of players they were getting. And then you just see like the past two years, the dominance, the development, the improvement in recruiting, and it's only going to get better. We should have beat Indiana by uh, five touchdowns, more than five touchdowns, six maybe. And I just all those guys uh, and all those guys too that you're talking about, Eric Phillips, Corleone, Arquan, but like these guys, they weren't like big name people. We brought them in. We out recruit. We even the guys we didn't out recruit Indiana with, we overdeveloped them. And now we're kicking their ass with them. And I I just love it. I just 
I love seeing that. I love seeing guys come in that like Eric Phillips, Corleone. Like I love that. Just beating ass. It's just especially against a team like IU. Right. Some people at, at IU thought that they actually beat themselves. Did you did you uh, hear about that? <laughs> I don't know how they could think that. I mean, maybe last year they'd have more of an argument to that one. That not this one at all. <laughs> well, the guy who said it wasn't even on the team last year, so it's here's something here's something fun, Ryan. Can you name for me the two lowest rated recruits in the 2021 recruiting class? For the Bearcats? Yeah. I can. 2021. So that was my last year, my fourth year. The, the, the no, it would have been your fourth. Yeah, the freshman year, fourth year. Shaman, Threats, Jack Dingle, that group. Uh, I don't know. It would would be would I don't know you're gonna have to tell me the lowest rated recruit Dante Corleone no there was one rated lower than him Dominic Perry no Mason Fletcher Mason Fletcher oh lowest rated recruit in that class beast <laughs> and look I went toe to toe with twenty four seven like look man this kid's dad was the Kobe Bryant of Australian girls football. <laughs> like this kid, this kid is a dog. Ryan, did I? You weren't here last week, so you didn't hear. Um, you know the like seventy yard punt from the end zone against Miami. Yeah. Miami put the returner at the forty-five, <laughs> and I guess Fletch took that as total disrespect. Took that personal. He took that, and I took that personally as Michael Jordan said. <laughs> yeah. I asked him, I was joking with him about it, like, in, you know, in the in the fourth quarter. And he said, hey, put the return mat at the 45. And I was like, I'm just going to kick it over his bleeping head. <laughs> and that was, the, that was the, the, the spark that had him kick, you know, the 67-yard the with an eight-yard loss tacked on top of it, a 75-yard kick that took the ball from the five yard line to the opponents 20. Um, but Mason Fletcher was the lowest rated recruit in that class. Oops. <laughs> Dante Corleone was the second of position players. Dante Corleone was the lowest rated commitment in that class. Hmm. Nailed it. And, and he's, and just, he's a, he's, a I think we need to, yeah, we, I mean, we're getting him reps. I think you know, he can only go so many plays. He's a little bit on the bigger side, but I think it's, better, great, there it's more. better for him to have Damo back now because you got yeah. Briggs, Damo, and uh, Corleone just, that can ro- that can roll. I mean, and those are just like those wear that wears teams down. Like that style player, that just like pure like bull rush, like bang, bang, bang every play. Yeah. Like, like if you're at, like it's hard to be able to do that every snap as one guy, but you got three guys that are just looking to just destroy and just havoc backfield. I want to hit this guy as hard as I can every play that like teams aren't going to be able to handle that. And that's what you're seeing. And now you got Eric Phillips, just Noah Potley's it, playing just, well. Yeah. Watley's also. Keep, pushing back yeah. That, that's just, how do you, how do you like scheme that up? Like, how are you gonna be like, all right, like we, they got like what, nine guys that are just going to be what first quarter fresh coming at yeah. you guys. Yeah. Good luck. Like, what do you say as an opposing O-line coach? Well, 
Well, and especially quarter. because well, because all of them are you know kind of bull rush would be their probably first pass rush move, and that was if, my special if you're thing. constantly just ramming into the offensive line, and they aren't rotating as much as you guys are. Like you're saying, what once it hits that third quarter, that fourth quarter, it, you're going to get pressure, and then you're going to get sacks. And I mean, you yeah. saw you know Noah Potter and Juwan Briggs combined for one. Ivan Pace is always back there, but you know him always. and Dante, you know, also paired up for one. I you know I think it's just going to, especially when when you start to get into this this AAC schedule, there's going to be some games where I you're going to see a tackle put on his keister, and then. Noah Potter breathing in the face mask of the quarterback after a sack. It's it's, it's going to happen. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's just the defensive line has been very, very, very strong to begin the year. And, and Aaron beats that drum every single week. Uh, and I, I completely agree. Uh, what does it do to a defense when the opposing team sets a record for most passing attempts in one game like IU did on Saturday? 66 attempts. And crazy numerous drives, you know, mentioned being extended due to not them picking up first downs, but by way of the penalty. So I I mean for this defense to you know not wither at any point, just constantly go after it, play in and play out hundred plus plus plays, sixty-six passing attempts. I mean, that's just it's an that's unbelievable insane. number. Unbelievable that's number. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people understand like how that's damn near like two games. Yeah. amount of plays like that that is a lot and like that's be like all right two games 24 points that's 12 points a game i don't know about you guys that's really good yeah. i think we all know football that's good that's good Math defense good, Math good defense right <laughs> good defense turnovers you got young guys coming in you guys hurt one of our best players hurt in the secondary mm-hmm. like that and 66 pass 66 pass attempts arquan bush is what not playing too and like i mean yeah you know 24 points you might be like oh damn that's not that's not like good like we don't want to give up 24 like we we want to be better than that but then when you really look at it like you know the game you know the scenario you know all the details you're like damn that defense played well we made a lot of plays we just gotta stay off the field i mean you need a little help from the boys on the o a little bit but critical question for you what is the max number of snaps you feel you could play in a game? <laughs> All right. So are we going off of me in my fifth year having not played a game of football in five years and just and just yeah. dilly-dallying around at practice? Whatever <laughs> your answer wants to be based off of, there's a reason I'm going down this path. I want to know the most snaps you could play in a game. I mean, I'd like to say I could sit here and play 150 snaps, Chad, just because you know I'm that insane, and I'd find a you way, are. and I would I would be carted off you, the field. I think you probably play close to 150 snaps in the spring game. <laughs> senior year. Yeah, and you, you know what? The most you dominant know, player on the field. Yeah, the 17 year olds they're feeling the heat, but um, <laughs> no, and that that the funny part about that is like I learned the hard lesson of you can't celebrate too hard because that makes you tired. And when right. you play, when you actually have to play, and you're not just like a ten play warrior like I was in college during practice, <laughs> you can go out there, make two plays, scream, holler, jump around, celebrate. But when you have to do like fifty plays in a spring game, Coach Fix yelling at you to get your ass back to the huddle, and you're like, he's he's damn right, I'm damn tired, and I'm an idiot. I need to go and shut my mouth. <laughs> so how, how I many, think I 
I don't know. I'd say I think I could I could play I think I could play 80 snaps. I mean, okay. if I but if okay. you got to remember if I was, you know, capable Being of physical, doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> um what what do you think the number was for most snaps played by a Bearcat in that game? Defensively. Yeah. Defensively. 104 uh, snaps on offense plus special teams. What was the number of most snaps played in that game? 80. I know the answer 100. to this, so I'm not going to say it. There's two. They is were it one 100? snap off. Is it 100? 106 for Ivan Pace. 105 snaps for Brian Threats. I love it. How insane. And that. Ivan is a Ivan is like a middle linebacker, mm-hmm. like like that yeah. is like you are in you are in the shit at all times. Every snap, he and is. Are, I he might be my favorite Bearcat ever, and he still celebrates. <laughs> He's only been here for four games. I need I needed if he was the, I wish he was there when I was there. He could have given me a couple pointers. How do you do it? How do you celebrate? And well, he just does this. I know, or the sniper. The sniper, the sniper I, was unbelievable. I was, I was waiting for a flag. I was waiting, and then I was just waiting for him to pass I mean, over to Coach. You yeah, <laughs> sprinted like six yards away from where everything was happening, and just collapsed on the ground and did the the infantry sniper. And then just, I don't know if you guys know how fast he got up to. Just like, all right. Oh, I tried to get a that. picture. I tried to get a picture, and he was down and up. Before I could get the camera like focused on him to take to snap a shot. Yeah, he's finding a way I, to be a freak in a celebration. You know, <laughs> that's I, how you don't get flagged though, Chad. You don't you don't make it right too long <laughs> to where you get caught. <laughs> he he didn't. The thing was, if that was a, he didn't aim. If that was a sniper shot, he just got down <laughs> shot and then jumped back up. But he never looked a, in the scope at all. Chad, that's what we call a quick scope. That's a you it know was, call, I mean, that was a call no duty. That was a no scope. Call of duty. <laughs> All right, you guys know the COD talk now. All right. There was they no don't COD play the gulag. He he sent Bazelak to the gulag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the new COD's coming out. He's getting warmed up for it. There He's we got to go. work on his game. Yep, him and Kyler Murray for sure. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I, I was. Fred uh, made a funny. Hey, you know, I I was blown away though because if you think about when when he first came here, two hundred sixty-five pounds. The ability for him to just buy in and immediately, you know, form his body, follow everything Brady Collins told him, and and just turn into this endurance stamina machine that's able to go out there for 100 plus plus plays and play at still a high level. He was still getting sacks late in that fourth quarter. You know, it's it's not like he was crashing into the offensive line and kind of taking the play off. He no, he he goes all out on every single play. Right now, he is tied for sixth in the country all of college football. In total tackles, he is number one by far in uh, in the AAC in total tackles, and and among those top players in the country, with uh, he has forty six on the season, and among the, about the top twenty five, I, I think you go all the way down to maybe the top one hundred top tacklers, he has the most sacks at four and a half. I, he's putting up stats that are national award worthy to the point where he he's going to start to get in the conversation as well of just, I don't know, a player who's like doing this? literally everything. Yeah. I, I mean, he was on the preseason watch list. He was considered by some to be the best NFL prospect, even though his, his height. And, and he, I, I love how open he is about 
his height as well. How he he uses that as a chip on his shoulder. How people doubt him because of that, and I I think that drives him even more. And you know, Aaron and Chad, you guys kind of mentioned it a little bit on I believe it was the nightcap, but he is getting more comfortable around the team. He he's not you know at least to the to the eye of the of, of those that can see just via press conferences and whatnot. He seems well, a little shy. Brent, he seems go, a little reserved. But yeah, go back to well, the spring game, Brent, where he didn't talk really at all out right. there. Like. It, yeah. it was it's it's a stark difference from then to now where he's at. Yeah, he, he's really also good. Deshaun is the the loud brother, right? Like right. There, there's there's a loud we'll one and a quiet one. Deshaun yeah. is loud. Ivan is the quiet, <laughs> shy one. Deshaun is not like that. He also is number one in the country in tackles for loss. Yeah, eleven tackles for loss, two point eight tackles for loss a game. And here's something that I think is is important to remember when talking about him. Mm-hmm. And it's we're four games in. We have a long way to go. But like when when you talk about things like All American or like being nominated for major national awards, yeah, he was a third team All American last year at Miami. He was the so Mac player of the year. Mac defense. So this year. is not like in voters' eyes. This is not somebody coming from out of nowhere. This right. is somebody coming from third team All American, going up a couple levels and playing better. Yeah. Playing better than he did at Miami. Yeah. I, I got two things first. It just reminds me a lot of what they did with Beavers and I don't Beavers. And that took a little while. Beavers weighed 265 pounds. I don't know if you guys remember Beavers is six, five. Ivan Pace is my height. Five eleven, maybe. And like, I couldn't even fathom weighing 265 pounds and playing football. That alone is impressive. And for him to then cut that down, it just like, I don't think we'll, none of us will understand how great he has to be feeling right now because we're not him. But like, I I imagine he probably feels like untouchable on like, and that's how he's playing. Like to be able to play football at 265 and then be able to drop the amount of weight he plays and what he, what he's at now, what he's playing at, like he, he definitely feels amazing that's why he's playing amazing and i i have a question for you guys ivan pace reminds me of a combination of two great bearcat linebackers that we've had in the fickle era if you were to mix them together i think we know Harry and jerrell yes exactly correct and he and Jarrell, it's, yeah it's like the the stocky playmaker <laughs> that ability. was a gimme that was a layup <laughs> hey i I, you guys always ask me the questions. It was right. my turn. No, it's my no, first like one. It. I know it's easy, but it's no, the no, it was good. It was the good. stocky playmaking ability of yeah. Jarrell mixed with the freakish athletic playmaking ability of Perry. And right. all three of them, they're all the same height. And they all play with that chip on their shoulder. And I love it. I mean, I loved playing with Perry and Jarrell. I couldn't even imagine playing with the Chimera of them. I'm I'm pretty like jealous of the guys, you know. I'm I'm mad that I didn't come back for year six, but I get what to watch. What did you just say? Chimera. Wow. Chimera. Look, man, we're gonna have to come on. down a little bit for this show. This is not a. This is not a. It's not an intellectual podcast. Let's TED talk with Ryan Royer. <laughs> is is Chimera? Is is that sushi? What am I looking for here? Chimera is a is a mix between two breeds. Okay. It's a dog term? 
It's like a it's it's a term for any biologic like you like a liger. You know what a liger is? A the lion well, and a tiger. Hey, he, 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 oh, easy. Oh, come on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he he's a chimera. That's a, a chimera. A liger is a chimera. He's a he's a chimera of Jarrell and Perry. So so he's uh, Jerry. Yeah, he's a Jerry. <laughs> so that's his, Ivan's nickname is now Jerry. Jerry Pace. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> doesn't sound that intimidating. I mean, it, it works though. I mean, there's a lot of good Jerry's out there. Jerry Pace know. is one. <laughs> I know. I know of one. I know a couple of Jerry's. One of them isn't too good, but we're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. Actually, two of them. Okay, we'll we'll leave it there. <laughs> Through me, Jerry. <laughs> Such a rascal. But uh, yeah, so I, another thing I really liked about Ivan as well is is he mentioned, you know, he was asked if he's having fun, you know, what he's enjoying most about, you know, being here with the Bearcats and playing. And, and he mentioned playing with his brother. And, you know, sometimes it is that kind of security and that comfortability being out there, you know, with, with your old, you know, with your old teammates from Cole Rain, but also your, your true brother and having the ability to make plays and, and everything of that sort. But I also want to tip my cap to well, – One more thing on Ivan before we go. Yeah, I was – yeah, go ahead. Remember, this is this was his dream. Yeah. He wanted to play here. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they were in that mode – and we've talked about this a little bit. They were in that mode in recruiting that they wanted to get bigger and longer at linebacker. Right. Yep. They were looking to, like, go in a, a, a different direction – and they had had their guys that they wanted. They didn't have an open spot for him. Right. But he wanted desperately to be a Bearcat. I can't – you talk about how good he feels, Ryan. I can't imagine how good he feels at the vindication of mm-hmm. – look at me now. Like, this is what I wanted. I knew. I knew this is what I could be. And here I am, not just the best player on this team, but maybe the best player in this conference – and one of the best players in the nation through the first month of the season. Yep. I, agree. I mean, he holds the NCAA record for most sacks in a game. Yeah. Well, did you catch Did you catch when uh, the post-game press conference with him, Brian? No, I didn't. I didn't see his part of it. What did he say? So I asked him about playing in the middle, and if being in the middle, he was more comfortable Such a good answer. dissecting things and, and being aggressive and making plays. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I am. But, you know, when I played at Will, I set the NCAA record with six sacks. <laughs> comfortable there, too. Oh, I like that. A little sad. A little, like, little sadness. Yeah. I know. Nailed it. But can can we tip the cap to, to Coach Trestle, though? And and I don't know if, if, if Luke was involved in this as well, but the movement of of Huber flipping him with, with Ivan, I, I think it's made Wilson Huber go out there and, and he's – he looks like a different player. I think as he's well. more natural at will. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, because he, he's got that. He's got that edge rush frame. Right. Right. You know, like like similar to Jaheim. That's why mm-hmm. I like them there. I like they want length at the will for the RPO for the glance route, and Jaheim and uh, Huber have that, and they also have that. Not that <laughs> Ivan isn't a great pass rusher, he is, but they have that length. They have that. Yeah. They have a little bit more like God given ability there. And I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a great move because you could kind of see that like Mike, a lot, a lot runs through the mic and you saw last year, Joel DeBlanco able to like play Mike, just make a ton of plays. 
is like yeah. that our defense is set up like we run a lot of schemes like to be able to get the put the mic in a great spot and yep. having we want our like our one of our best players there and Ivan is and I think it's a great great move by Tress and Fick and Hitchler the guys calling the shots up there and I think it's just it's just going to get better guys it is this is just the tip of the iceberg there's the defense has got every year. The defense has gotten better every week, and it's the best at the end of the year. That's the way uh, Luke Fickle's defense has been. And Ivan, I just wait—he's he, going to blow up even more. Well, and I insane. think you see it out of threats too. <laughs> yeah. Like threats, oh yeah. Threats week in and week out is just getting better and better. Seems more comfortable flying all over the field now. But yeah, I, I agree. We One more thing about last year with threats. Go ahead, Ryan. Just about Ivan, you guys are kind of talking about him settling in with the team. Like Saturday night, I'm I'm just getting like uh, Snapchats from my buddies. Uh, like he's he's out there just hanging out with them, like chopping it up. Like guys with like he's Bryce Burton. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if they fanned him. Maybe after if he keeps it up, he he's gonna get the fan for sure. He's there with like Bryce Burton, Will Adams, Wyatt Fish, Dink, just like. You know, got you might not pick like expect Ivan to be. Those like, are our people. That's the walk-on crew. We're the walk-on yeah. show. We're the yeah. walk-on network. I mean, he's there hanging out with them, like goofing around, having a good time, and like you know that that's good. Like just see him out there, like not only is he playing well, but he's just meshing with the team well, and like that's only going to make him better. And just yeah, it's just it's just cool to see. On threats, could you see that coming last year with him? That like he was he was one of those guys that worked his way into special teams as a true freshman, was a guy that was doing what was asked of him and has kind of that freaky athletic ability that that they love at safety. Yeah, we always knew he had the ability. I mean, uh, he's just like he's a he's just a head hunter. Like I know maybe nowadays that's not the best term for football, but like the way I, the way I know the game, like just world take, Yeah, just take just takes people out. Like hits hard plays fast, plays with reckless abandon. And like, that's just like something you, you can't ignore. And you just knew it was just learning the defense and knowing where he had to be at and his responsibility at all times. Um, you Then you knew he was going to be ready. And that's, you're seeing now, he's like had another off season, had, had more time in the weight room to get bigger, faster, stronger, to get smarter, earn more trust in the coaching staff. And with his teammates, and that's exactly what he did. And you know, I feel bad for my man Dingle. You know, I th- he had a chance this year, my boy. But threats went out there, took the job, and he's not looking back. And you see why. Well, anything else in this Dingle's, game? There's still a place where Dingle's going to help them. Oh he yeah, can play. He can. Oh absolutely, yeah. That wasn't a matter of like he wasn't good enough to win the job. No. It's just that in threats they saw something. Short term yeah. and long term, that can be really special. It's just it's playmaker. Like he's a playmaker, and yeah. D- he just makes more plays than Dingle. And Dingle will tell you that. And Threats just has like a little bit something that Dingle doesn't have when it comes to nose, maybe nose for the ball, make it a play, and a little bit more freaky athleticism. But Dingle, like Dingle's still a freak athlete. Dingle's fast. Dingle will hit shit. Dingle, like it's nothing against Dingle at all. It just Threats just has that little. Little something different to them, and you you see it developing. Yeah. Well, well, when teams actually try and return a kick, which has seemed like it's been three weeks since the team has actually tried to, Dingle's right there on every single kick yeah. coverage team. 
I I, I mean, he's a he's a special teams ace. There's there's no yeah. doubt about that. So, yeah, I mean, he's making his presence known, and I think he'll he'll be right there to step up if anything were to happen. Knock on wood to uh, you know in an opening for him to to get onto the field. So, I think it's a he's invaluable. There's 100%. no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, anything else on this game, guys? I think I you know it's just it is we could just beat the drum about the whole tail two halves type ordeal and try and figure out the offense. But I mean, like Chad, I think you mentioned it maybe in your write up, you take that first half stat line that the offense put up, you would take that for a game and walk away and be like, they played really, really well. So. Well, <laughs> and I want to, I want to see what Royer thinks here because this, this was my overall takeaway in my article after the game. Is it that Indiana was emotionally drained? Yeah, they were emotionally drained, like they said on Big Ten Network. They were, just, they were, they were and just they, too emotionally drained from those. They three beat close themselves wins up shady. as well. They yeah. and they beat themselves. Yeah. No, they okay. got their asses. They got their asses kicked in the first half. <laughs> they got their asses kicked, and they were you guys. They were, they were lucky. They were lucky to leave with a shred of dignity after the second half. Like they should have gotten run out of the stadium if we played. If we played yeah. the way we should have played, they should have been fifty points blown out. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Now, my point being, this is something that this team is on a particularly accelerated timeline because they're going to be compared to three years of progress that you guys made together as a team, learning each individual how to handle early. They had to learn how to handle playing a little bit faster, playing a little bit cleaner, you know, playing a little bit more sharp early in the game. They cleaned all that up. And then all of a sudden they run into the next thing that they're going to have to learn as a team, which is playing with a 28-point halftime lead. Like, I think we forget, and, and because now we're in the season, and when you're in the season, fans don't want to hear about what you're, you know, what, what, what you have to learn what you have to experience to become great. But what you have to experience to become great, you guys got to do over three years. And even four years, if you go to 18, where you guys were in all of these different situations and all of these going from the hunted, the hunter to the hunted and how to play from behind, how to play from ahead, how to play when you're not at your best, how, how, to, how to play, how to win, right? <laughs> This team is having to do that like like cliff notes on the fly. Yeah. Yeah, on the fly. And I, I think it's important for people to remember that this team cleaned up all the stuff that we were worried about from the first three games in that first half. They did all of those things that we were talking about. Everything there were penalties, Literally. they were clean, they, they they didn't start fast, but they didn't put themselves in a hole. And then when they hit their stride, they were able to go from 14 to 3 or whatever it was to 38 to 10. And then now you have to come out and learn. Okay, 38-10, how do we get this thing across the finish line? They weren't good at it in, in a lot of ways. They, they did it, and they still managed to do it with a 21-point win, but... I think people need to understand, Ryan, that this team is is trying to do things like all at once because 
the expectations are already growing. This is a team already as they enter American Athletic Conference play in position to play themselves into a New Year's Six Bowl. You guys didn't really have that. Like, like you had to learn in 18 what it took to go to UCF and get your ass kicked. You had to learn in 19 what it felt like to play in a conference championship game. This is Those are things that this team is being expected to learn on the fly. I think that's hard, man. It's hard. It's it's hard, but it's expected, and it's exactly what Coach Vick has Where, been yeah. doing. Yeah, I mean, that's what you get. That's what success brings, and that's what these guys are prepared for. They're ready for this, and they're they're I mean they're excited to be in this opportunity, and they're going to make the the most they can. They're going to learn, and that's exactly what the coaching staff is going to drill under their heads. And I think you're going to see a better Bearcats team next week. In, in, in chat, it's kind of, you know, like what, what Luke said in the post-game press conference as well as like, you know, and, and he kind of looked at, at the media and was like, you know, I, I know you guys hate me saying this, but we're still growing up together. We're, we're still figuring things out, you know, so it, it's kind of exactly what you're saying. And, you know, it, I don't think anyone expects it to be perfect through, you know, week four. No, there's people that expect it to be perfect. Well, yeah, but they're on the message and in my Twitter mentions. Those those guys, yes. I, I expected that. I thought we were gonna be four now. If you, when you say perfect, oh I perfect record. Yeah. And that just hurt it hurts that we're not I did too, Ryan. I did too. Ryan, was, I'm fully convinced if if you play Kennesaw in Miami in week one and week two, and then you get Indiana and and Arkansas. That this team's four and zero like you guys were. Yeah, I, I I think there's a solid argument there, and it just it almost you know you're happy, but it like hurts you more. It's like damn, like Arkansas was you know tenth in the country. People, we we should have beat them, and you know it's a it, you know you, there's still there there could then still be certain things in consideration now for this team. You know people, you know the, the playoff kind of gets its door closed week one, but but you got a team that's just learning, improving. A lot of young guys that are just stepping up. We didn't even really expect or know about to expect, and it's just like it's like, damn that that got away from uh, that got away from us week one. But you know, it's still it's it's still exciting. It's promising to see like how much this team is growing, how quickly it's growing, and there's still there's still like a lot to play for to go win the conference and just try to dominate everyone every week and just have guys step in, make a ton of plays. And you know what? But yeah, it does. It just stings too. that week one, the better you get, you're like, damn, we could have been, could have been undefeated right now, but no, I completely agree. But you know, also you can give a little, a lot of credence to just momentum and how, you know, week one was what week one was, but it does seem like the momentum is picked up every single week. And you know, even this past week, I, you know, you get a goal line stand. You you do numerous things in the second half, even though the offense struggled to get going. You do numerous things where you do still feel the momentum kind of kicking up. And now conference plays here, and you have you can kind of you know put put the foot on the pedal even more and and, and just really really push forward and, and and close out the AAC play in a big way, which I fully expect them to do because I mean watching a lot of these other games and hearing you know Aaron's accounts of them on on Sunday nights, it's uh safe to say that there's a chance to kind of steamroll through it, but I, I do have to ask you if it, Aaron, Chad, you guys have anything left on, on uh, Indiana, Ola, Indiana, IU. 
Who's your daddy? We've we I've talked it plenty at this point. All right. And chat, Chad, you good on it? Sorry, I just the kid just tried to pull a fast one on me. <laughs> but you're faster. No, she gave me the report, you know, the midterm when you're in middle school, you gotta have your parents sign. Didn't know that, but go on. Dad, yeah, sign this really fast. She gave me everything to sign, but didn't let me look at the report Great. card. Straight A's. All A's, right? Um, three A's, two B's, and a C plus. We'll talk about that C plus later. She claims the C plus she just had an assignment to make up, and now it's an A. There we go. She claims. There we go. Big assignment. But, but <laughs> look, I was a middle schooler once. Yeah. I'm well aware of the old like. Here, sign this. Sign this in the middle of your yeah, show. Just, just, exactly just sign, yeah, sign this in the middle of your show, and then let me let me get on my way to, to school tomorrow. Perfect. That's, that was my youngest sister. Yeah. Mom, Dad, signed this, and in the, an hour later, we're finally sitting down for dinner. But anyway, uh, so the Who's Your Daddy comment, by the way, guys. I was I was, I was happy to hear the the crowd get into Brent, that. Like, yeah. Brent, can we get that mic away from your your collar, bro? Dude, I've, I've been I've been holding it in my hand the entire time. It's Ever still. Since. We got to get you a mic. Like we're, I'm going to send you a mic. We don't need. We don't. There uh, we go. Let, no, just let the mic touch your collar. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, I can take this shirt off. I the man needs a little wax or something. A little Burt Kreischer, like your Burt Kreischer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can do a little. I can do a little shirt off. You know, if you guys want to see that. But uh, anyway. I told Aaron up in the box, you know, I, I, who's your daddy, man? If I got a got a dollar every time I heard that throughout my life, I'd, I'd be able to probably buy myself a mic. There we go. That's a, that's a good way to put it. But, um, yeah, close close the book on that. 2-0 and o on the home-and-home. Uh, home. Chad, that was all this was, right? Home-and-home. Home. There's no lingering 20-30 game coming up or anything like that with with the Hoosiers? I don't think. I don't, I don't believe there is. Yeah, I think it was just just home-and-home. Uh, up next, though, is, is AAC play. Ryan, I got to ask you, man, uh, as far as it goes and, and how much can you tell us and the listeners a little bit about uh, the Bearcats ducking smoke? Not quite the story behind that, but what it did in the locker room getting you guys fired up for that uh, 2020 AAC championship game against a, a team that kind of, I don't want to call them a rival, but they're they're pushing all these buttons, trying to get 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 the Bearcats all fired up, especially heading into yeah. that game. And then a special number twelve on the Bearcats that might have, you know, kind of gone after uh, the cornerback after a really good catch uh, for a touchdown uh, late in the first half of that game yeah. as well. Was that some some bulletin board material? What uh, I mean, is is yeah. Tulsa a team that is semi circled? When, yeah, when they, pop they, up the they have played us harder than I think anyone has played us the last two years in terms of just physical, just nasty football, like borderline dirty football, right? Some could say, and we know that. And you know, last year, last year we were like, like, yeah, they were, they were like playing like a little, a little chippy, a little like a way we didn't really like and take too much. Um, take too much liking of and they still came out and like took it to us last year and and what could have been the biggest meltdown ever oh 
I don't think people, people like that. That was insane. That the end of that game. I I was oh, about. Was. I thought I was gonna have a heart. Of, I thought I was gonna like. You weren't the only one jumping off the press box after, well, especially because it was college game day. It was like the the whole entire build up, and it was just like, what is going on? Tulsa Tulsa plays hard. They they've ran the ball on us two straight years, and I like that's I. It's like this is Tulsa week, like. It, it's it's time we need to like put it to Tulsa. We need to put it to bed, and we need to we need to beat the shit out of them because I mean, they they beat the shit out of us the past two years. Like this might, might be the last time we played them. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, and we need we we need to get it. We need to right the ship here because those are two games that we could have lost, and you know they're probably going home like we should have won those games. We dominated them. They they have a little bit of an argument in, in that regard because they dominated the line of scrimmage. But Almost their entire media uh, contingent has me blocked on Twitter. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it was bulletin. Like, Coach, like we weren't taught – we knew about it, but we weren't like – Coach Vic didn't have it, like, up on the locker room or anything like that. But, like, before the game, like, he, he said something like, they want to do all that talking. Well, like now it's time, like some along those lines, basically. And and like we were ready to go. We were fired up and they freaking were ready too. And they were putting it to us. And it was a battle both years. So we gotta we gotta like figure we gotta figure them out this year because they, they've been a headache. Their main thing is they're very physical, right? Like they, yeah, they just match physical. your physicality. Very, they 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 know how to block um, in ways that are they can get away very, with it, but yeah. they shouldn't maybe get away with it. Yeah, very very uh not not the best like I guess etiquette of blocking, kind of little, a lot of dirty blocking, a lot of holding, a lot of twisting, a lot of tackling on offense um but and they they kind of just said like we want to try to bully your three-man front and they did and they pushed the border on their blocking techniques and did well with it so we gotta we gotta figure it out we gotta man up and just stop the damn run because we didn't we haven't done that in two years oh well they're they are running funny. the ball this year what'd you say they're not running the ball this year they're throwing yeah. like 50 plus times a game, right, Brent? Yeah. Well, so Davis Brin was actually like top three in the country in, in passing yards heading into this past weekend. He did get hurt, though. And uh, in, in the whole second half, the backup quarterback came in and actually played pretty well um, and kind of put them in position to try and pull off the upset last week. But I don't know if Brent will be back or not because his backup is kind of a scrambler. But Chad, you kind of mentioned that to Luke, and he he dismissed it right away. He's like, "Yeah, well, they're a passing team now. They won't be against us on Saturday." So, yeah. I, I think that kind of caters to what you're saying, Ryan. Where like they probably circle it on their end, and they're like, "All right, let's just go out there and try and out physical them." I think they did lose a couple NFL caliber offensive linemen, though. So, I don't know if that kind of leads to them changing things up offensively. But yeah, when I saw that he was top three in the country in passing yards. I was like, what? Yeah, I know. Tulsa's Davis Brin. He wasn't he, – we were not that worried about him throwing the ball last year. Right, um, right. He, and he did not throw the ball well versus us at all both so years. We'll, we'll, we'll see about that now. Yeah. 
kind of what he does, obviously, because that, I mean, between him and Tanner Mordecai, it's a past happy attacks for both of them. But I'd I imagine they'll, the they'll keep it on media, the ground. I'd search to see what the Tulsa media is saying about the health of Davis friend, but <laughs> I, I'm blocked. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're black. You're in a blackout chat. Well, Ryan, they had that whole thing the second, not the first cancellation, but the second cancellation after you guys all went to Florida and, and got COVID. The second cancellation, their president is the one that canceled the game. And they tried to blame you guys for ducking the smoke. Well, your yeah. president is responsible for the game being canceled. Cincinnati was fine with playing the game. And they didn't take too kindly to me having more information on the subject than they had, or at least having the information that they didn't want to share. It was convenient to blame Cincinnati for that game not being canceled when it was their own president that said, we're not playing. Unless their president was also. I didn't, Chad, I didn't even know that. So you really are in there, huh? They can kiss my ass. Really <laughs> I didn't know why the game was canceled. I was like, holy shit. Like that's, Three weeks, what three games? Yeah. yeah, it was like what the it was like 27 days we hadn't played a game going into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was, mean, you guys would have been in rough shape trying to get back to play that game in time, yeah, but it was weird. It was weird. I remember how weird that game was because it was like we haven't played, it was like everyone knew what it was like to be me. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played since high school. This is weird. <laughs> Multiply that by about. Mm, 25 and then you got the wrong word. The wrong word yeah yeah because what it was at at ucf november 21st and then you guys played against tolson the AEC championship it was just like spring break everybody this, went to, to Orlando december 19th <laughs> december 19th almost yeah. a full month later that's a whew, that is quite the layoff but yeah and also and then of course in those games it's the you add on the weather that was going on that day and then add on top of that not a pack nipper, the whole it was it's always just weird, but it was loud. Yeah, that it was loud that, that, was. that would like the amount of people that were there, they made such a big difference. Like, yeah, having fan they were so loud for the amount of people there, and like just to have fans there. I mean, they they definitely did not follow the limit. There was a what was the limit? Five thousand. It's supposed something. to be like five to six thousand. Yeah, there there had to been there had to been more than that, but they they were it was great that meant a lot to us and that, like getting to celebrate after with that like in the stands and that was great that was a big uh last year's championship game was just a little bit more fun though but yeah there we go that still was good but yeah All championships so, are great right yeah they're they're amazing that's Tulsa week as you mentioned hopefully the last time uh ever. for a while ever. ever ever yeah even on the basketball side too I, I've I never been it. down there. What's it? Is it? Is it a tough scene? I, I've never <laughs> gone because no, I'm not going to Tulsa. You got to get a connecting flight. I already looked up flights. I was like, maybe I can check it off the uh, the old bucket list, but no, nah, it it ended maybe up not being worth it. Show up. But yeah, no, yeah, my uh, I've got a buddy who who is an NIU fan, Northern Illinois fan. And they were there earlier this year, and and he said it was the uh, greatest college football experience he's ever been a part of and like you, you kind of looked at it you know for a little bit and then he was like oh i'm just joking completely joking and the it picture was, was like <laughs> maybe maybe a quarter full of fans 
in the entire stadium. So huh. it's kind of kind of strange. But I imagine they'll get up for Cincinnati week. Yeah, they'll get up a little bit more for Cincinnati week. So their homecoming. Well, that's a dumbass decision. Well, they know. I'm, saying, I'm asking. I don't know. Is it their homecoming? It was their homecoming in 2020 when the game was canceled. I know that it was uh, kind of. I'm predicting funny. a big turnout for uh, Chad Brendel coming to the stadium. I think the fans are going to be pretty hyped up and looking forward to seeing Chad and putting a name to the, the Twitter troll and taking. I'll be at the Holy Grail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, never mind. Looks like that capacity staying at a quarter. It it's not homecoming. Their homecoming is October 27th through 30th that weekend. I was just curious. Shot in the dark by here. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's that. Tulsa week, and uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see what the team comes out and does because I haven't dove into them, but I imagine they'll want to continue to uh, have the success they've had through the air and dominance that they've had defensively, so. Yeah, I'm predicting the defense is going to come out with a chip on their shoulder. I know they're going to be drilling into their heads the past two years what 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 uh what was done to to our Bearcat defense. So I'm I'm really excited for the defense. I'm going to be paying uh, close attention to them and especially the run. They haven't seen Ivan Pace yet. Yeah, we have a pace named Ivan. We have two paces. Hey. <laughs> we have. We have two bases. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not touching any of it. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, was there anything in the mailbag for Ryan? Uh, there's one, oh, one. No, I'm. I'm paying Ryan now. He's here for the mailbag. <laughs> mailbag nation, let's go, baby. Are we doing? Uh, are we doing basketball talk first, or are we gonna go mailbagging? Let's, or let's mailbag in the in the basketball. All right. You guys want my opinion on basketball? I know a lot. Uh, yeah, so sure. so Ryan, the games at Tulsa basketball have been probably worse than the game. I I hate watching <laughs> the games at Tulsa. It's always a nail biter. Yes, last, last second shots. It's yeah. like oh, it's every terrible. time. I know every I know time. No. All right, opening up the uh, football mailbag. Uh, first and foremost, could Ben Bryant still come back for another year? Huge Evan Prater guy, but this offense looks like we all thought it could. Uh, we've talked about it several different times, but Ben has. Two more years of eligibility, right? Yeah. One. This year he and did, next year. Yeah, yeah, this year and next year. Yeah. yeah. But something tells this me. This year he's already, like, he's, yeah. he's, yeah. Uh, him being on the Davey O'Brien right now, watch list. Uh, I don't know that you're coming back. Yeah. They already graded him out as a as an NFL like, yeah. draft. Day, day three drafty is what they said coming into the season. I but... think it was actually it, back end of day two, like round three, round four. Well, yeah, Dame, Dame Brugler. Uh, or however you say his name. I'm talking about saying, the, the actual draft grades that, that players get day three day or day round three, round four type uh, grade for him going into the season. Not surprised. He's an NFL style quarterback can make every throw play under center pocket, pocket poise. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, sorry. I keep bringing up the issue of doing some kind of package inside the five to 10 yard line, like a wildcat package with Prater or having both Ben and Evan in the backfield and then having Ben set up outside is either of these, the package coach Luke fickle was referring to when he said they have a package for Prater or is coach Luke fickle wanting to keep this in his back pocket for the best time slash game. We all seem concerned about getting a touchdown rushing there. Yes. All right. <laughs> Uh, this is for Ryan. Has Mets ever gotten you back for calling out his name to get him to jump on the Wired Wednesday you started? 
he's like, yeah, he's got me back. There's been a couple times he's he's uh, hit me pretty hard. He's like, that's for the. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> what do he say? He's like, that's for the mitts. <laughs> and there'll, there'll, yeah. be time, there'll be times where like I would yell it. He'd be like, uh, he wouldn't jump it. And then like before they snap the ball, he'd be in his three points. They'd be like, not today, lawyer. <laughs> it's it was good like it, it's like literally it sounds fake but it's happened a lot like that's 100 percent true the german with mets uh, like the little segment they do during timeouts might be the speaking best german thing. Yeah. yeah yeah speaking that's german probably. with lorenzo mets might be the best thing that the video staff has put together this season and they put a lot of good stuff together this season already is he how's he feeling is he healing up is he He's getting there. I mean, he's yeah. still, you know, again, you have ankle surgery at six foot nine, 330 pounds. Like that is it's going to take a while for that. Like that ankle is like, ah, every day. <laughs> Doesn't help that he has like two broken wrists. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just, I feel bad for him, but I mean, he'll but get he's, back there. I'm I, I think right now on the right side, like you're very lucky to have a guy that can play right tackle or right guard. Um, Joe Huber's been unbelievable. Like he's been their best lineman. Yeah, he, he's been otherworldly. Uh, but having a guy, having a confidence that you've got a guy behind your right guard and your right tackle that you can you can trust. Yeah, I, I think that's immeasurable. He's played. He was a first all. Uh, yeah, he's all team. conference last year guard. Yeah, and you really, know, I, he only played when Vinny was out or when Vinny had to slide over for Rensselaer. Yeah. You know, I, I just hope that Mets is on the field a fair amount at Temple so he can just go out there and just demolish numerous people as payback for, <laughs> what was that, 2019? Just 18. 18, 18, just demolish he, people. He told me, Royer, did I tell you this? Have we told you this? He told me after that Temple game when they came over and celebrated in your guys' face after winning that game in Philly, I asked him about it and he was like, I did not like that. <laughs> I will, I will, I will break them. <laughs> Little Drago. Yeah, he went Drago on it. I will break them. Uh, right now, twelve student athletes have scored a, a receiving, one. rushing, or defensive touchdown. Would you okay. take the I gotta, over or the under when set at fifteen up. and a half? Got to pull something up here. Who scored those touchdowns? Who? Yeah, like we need to know who hasn't. You know what I mean? Like what Arquan wait, are you talking about this season? Yeah. I'm, They've already I'm going, had 12 guys score a touchdown. I'm going Arquan Bush is gonna get a pick six by the end of the year. Okay. And I think who hasn't scored on offense? That's not is Ryan Montgomery. Ryan Montgomery. All right, there's two for me. Jaden Thompson. Oh yeah, he's bound to Jayden's score. Jaden's gonna get one. Uh, I mean, it, it gets pretty slim after that because you got Will Pauling. If he could come back from injury at the latter half one. of the year, get one. Chris Scott, uh, Shimon. I don't know I how long them, he's I out. Can with his get, injury. I can see them giving a little pop pass Tutty in the four tight end personnel. To, to Does Ben count? Ben doesn't have a rushing touchdown. So there could be a, a quarterback sneak at the like the the one inch line oh, yeah, somewhere in there. Count. According to the question, yeah. I think I think Peyton Singletary will get one. Yeah, uh, I Chris think Scott over. doesn't have a touchdown. I can see Chris Scott in the red zone yeah. getting a touchdown. I'm going over for sure. 
And then any other, I mean, look at the the surprises we've already had on defense. Damo Perry's got a touchdown. <laughs> Shavari also with the touchdown. Show, yeah. show, show a rush package with uh, like Blue Smith and Chris Scott out there, and Blue Smith gets one on a on a fake. I mean, we're going to be up by so much in some of these games. I feel like where there's going to be there's going to be a bunch of guys have. on the floor, yeah. Or on Drew the Miles, Donnelly. Montgomery. Miles Montgomery, he's he's, he's, got, he's one. got one. He's got one. Oh yeah, Kennesaw. that like seventy-five yeah. yard touchdown run or whatever it was, seventy-two yeah. yard. Deshaun Pace pick six. No, Deshaun Pace gets brought down at yeah, the uh, two yards at the two. <laughs> yeah. So Tyman Boston has to score first in order for anyone yeah. else on the defense to score. Yeah. I, wonder, <laughs> I don't know if 15 and a half was a high enough mark to set this. I, I think we're all over at this point. Hammy the OV. I think I like the over. Yeah. All I'm right. not a betting man. I'm not a betting man. I think you I like lie like a. Any reason to pay attention like to what happens? Man. Any reason to pay attention to what happens with Jermaine Matthews and Anthony Brown after their visits for the Kennesaw State game? Not, <laughs> not at this point. Not at this point. There have been, if you go back through the past three or four years, there have been a lot of guys like this that have been committed to both Ohio State and Cincinnati that have taken visits to the NIP for a game. Because guess what? Watching a game at the NIP is fucking awesome. It's awesome, yeah. So they they come down, they take advantage, they live in town. Of right. course, the staff is still going to say yes, not just because of what could potentially, you know, if anything changes in their recruitment for high school, but with the transfer portal, you always stay strong in those relationships with the best players in the city. So anything to watch now? I don't think so. I think they both end up where they're committed to, um, but – it never hurts to have those guys on campus as much as crazy. possible. That's a great – I never even thought about that. Like, basically, like, recruiting the transfer portal. It's a real thing now. Yeah. It is, yeah. And recruiting your own team. It's, I it's mean, just and just ongoing process. Having, having all the Cincy guys that we have on the team, that's just mm-hmm. an automatic transfer portal recruitment tool. Well, yeah, and, and Ryan, Rich, you look at – Yeah, you look like at the it, transfers. Yeah. Ivan Pace, even. I mean, it's just – that's how we got Beavers. Sure, it wasn't Beavers. Like a... B Cook. Yeah. Cook, yeah. All of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about some misdirection encounters in the rushing attack? I'll let uh, Mike Cummings know. How about it? I'm guessing whatever they want it, whatever they're going to do, they're going to do. I don't. <laughs> uh, ben be... Bryant draft prospects this year. We kind of just touched on that. Um, I think he's a late day two, early to mid day three guy at the moment. Uh, But you would have to think that stock is going up. Yeah. Smart kid, big arm, knows how to run, you know, a pro style offense. Uh, Ryan, we'll see what's in the mailbag. I want to ask you a question if it's not in the mailbag. This is the last question for football. Any thoughts? Okay, it is in the mailbag. Any thoughts that the read option is not the most effective way at running the football in this offense? I think Ben is the right choice at quarterback, but just seems like a bad choice when your quarterback isn't much of a threat to run. Ryan, how similar does the inside zone look like the read option? Because I think they're running a lot of inside zone that people think is the read option. Very similar. I mean, it's it's basically the, the same. It's this, the quarterback. They make it look like inside zone just so like just so – 
keep guys honest. I mean, they make it look like the read option so that it keeps the defense honest. It keeps the sniper from not running downhill and being in the run fit as quick. So we're it's it's it looks the same. And Ben's gonna make it look the same. He's gonna fake like he's gonna run. He's gonna fake the tuck. It just that's how you coach it. It keeps the defense honest. And it- I think you you saw that during Dez's career as well, where like a lot of times you're like, why didn't Dez keep that? He had so much field on the other side when it was probably a designed call where he yeah. was supposed to It was to inside zone, just yeah, supposed it was, it to look like the option. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't Jake Sopko though talking to him on the uh Rock of Truth this past week about how they are actually running more RPOs than then well that's the thing about it is the RPO now because Ben's not really going to run looks more like inside zone where he just pulls it. Like it, it's a double. So it's just a P. whammy, right? It's just a right? P. Say again. I said, it's so, just well, a P. Handing it off is a run, Aaron. Okay. That's what an RPO is. I understand it's run pass option. Run yes. option to hand it off, or you can pull it and pass. Okay. Yeah. And you know, Teams might be scheming it up like, oh, we're not we're not worried about Ben. Like, let's align in this certain spot and do a certain read step at, at the sniper or at the safety and let's force the run. Like it's just it's all scheme and <clears throat> knowing that they don't we might not want to run Ben, whereas we had Dez as a threat, teams are gonna give us probably different looks this year when it comes to that RPO sets. All right. So that's the football portion of the mailbag. Yeah. Do you want me to continue with the basketball? Yeah, Ryan's here. All he's right. part of the team now. I'm just making, in. making sure. Right. Well, it's not a guest. He's staff. Look, <laughs> I, I get it. I didn't know if you actually wanted to talk about basketball before we got to the basketball portion of the mailbag. I, I feel mean, like Ryan, you're a UC basketball fan, right? Yes. All right, All right. let's go. With uh Miller, I love him. He's oh, he's amazing. With the RPO though, I think Ben will uh, will definitely know when to start and initiate a slide from now on. I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's completely engraved. Yes. In his head. Yes. Who slides is better, funny. Tom Brady or Ben Bryant? It looked like he slipped. It looked like he <laughs> slipped on a banana peel for his slide. <laughs> All right. Uh, obviously, it varies from recruit to recruit. But what would you guys say the general ranking of importance of these four aspects in the mind of a recruit is? Assuming a relationship with the coaching staff is number one. Number one, tradition slash atmosphere. Number two, available uh, playing time slash style of play. Number three, selling the pros. And number four, NIL. There's no answer for that. No, it's it's certainly going to vary recruit it's, to recruit. It, every recruit has a, a different, like, it, it's it's like asking, like, like, why did you pick this job? Why did you pick that job? Like, everyone's going to have a a different reason. A different reason at different points in their life, even like right. I think NIL is going to start making a, a big importance, though. Like that's like yeah. money talks to a lot of people, and if you're if there's a big sum of money that like some schools are throwing around nowadays, I mean, that's going to that's, that's gonna for the it. elite of the elite. That's yeah. not yeah, that's true. The standard recruit is not getting a hundred thousand dollars to yeah. to like commit somewhere like. If you're a top 100 kid, 
even in football, maybe a top 200 kid, there are some of those, there are going to be some of those opportunities. Um, the bidding wars that, that you've seen quarterback wise, but yeah. Yeah. Like quarterbacks, of course, like right. everybody wants to get their quarterback, but like, you know, uh, uh, a mid four-star safety. Right. Is that, is that kid really getting anything over what, you know, anybody else is getting? No, probably not. Like, so uh, of course, here's what I would say to that, Ryan, of course, NIL is important to every kid, <laughs> but you're only worth what somebody will pay you. Yeah. Great point. So I, for, for some kids, it's going to be proximity. Like some kids are super tight with their families and they want to be able to have mom and dad and their uncles and, you know, their high school teachers and everybody be able to come to their games. Some kids don't, they want to get away from home. They don't want to do, have anything to do with, they want to be 500 miles from home. They're going to be a thousand miles from home just to get away and, and, and forge their own path. Yeah. Um, relationship with the staff, I think is fair to say is always important, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling like you're entering a team that is inclusive, that is not cliquish, I think is, is, is in terms of when you're going on visits or at least official visits, you want to feel like these are guys I can vibe with. Not like these are guys that look at me as, you know, Hey, freshman, fuck out of here. Like, you know, we don't want to hang out with you tonight. Like, I think stuff like that kids pick up on. Um, and that varies from program to program. So programs like Cincinnati are going to benefit from, and I don't know how many kids you hosted or if they let you host kids or if they thought that might be too wild of an experience. <laughs> how they many knew where to send them? I how might, many not, are... might not have hosted, but they, they knew where to send them. <laughs> How many recruits' heads did you put into a fan? <laughs> I, don't I don't know, but I've had my fair no share. No comment. Of I've had my fair share of recruits pay a visit to my humble abode. But, but but I know guys like we see it like because now summer is kind of like the most important like official visit time. It used to be those couple weeks in between the end of the the season and the bowl game when official visits happened. Um, now it's in June and into July. So when we're at camps, those guys are constantly back and forth at each other. Oh, got my guy. Got my guy from last weekend. He's committed. He's on the board. Did you get your guy? Did your guy commit? Like, there's a competition because you guys compete at pretty much everything. Yeah, There's a competition now between, like, oh, like, I, I hosted – I hosted three guys this summer, and all three of them are commits. No, How did yeah. you get? Oh, you didn't. Your your guys didn't commit. Your guys went somewhere else. You probably shouldn't be hosting no recruits no more. Like, yeah. And Coach Fick would always tell us, he's like, if the if you guys don't like these guys, if you don't feel like they're a fit, like you tell us. Let like, everybody know, move. right? Yeah, which I always respected. It was like they need, like we want them to, we want them to feel welcome, but like they also need to be what we want. They need to be the type of person, the type of player. And I think that's the best way to go about it. I always love that about coach Vic and the staff. Yeah. But, it, it, but it, it, every kid is different. There's yeah. no way to rank that because 
every every single one has a different criteria that they're looking for. Yeah. Which, like, you know, kind of what Ryan said as well. I think I think there could be some players where everyone is different, where they're like, "Hey, Team A is offering me, you know, 150. Can you can you top that? You know what I mean? I I do think it it would potentially get to the point where some players are doing that, and then yeah. it does boil down to nil. So I agree. Everyone's different, though. Every single one. All right. Uh, what's your evaluation on Jizzle James? I know he is a fringe top 50 prospect. If we were to land James and not Collier, would we feel good about handing the keys to James, or would we need a starting point guard from the transfer portal? That depends on, like, does Mike Adams would stay for an extra year? Like, uh, it, that's contingent on other things. Um, Jizzle James is a guy that can be – your long-term answer at point guard. He, he's strong. He's physical. He's aggressive. He can really get to the paint. He's got an outstanding mid-range game. He needs to work on his, his three-point shot a little bit. Like all high school kids, he needs to work on being a secondary defender, but he's a really good on-the-ball defender because of how hard he competes, like the way that he plays and approaches the game. Um, He's you could do far, far, far worse than having Jizzle James as you know the 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 guy that's either your one B or immediately then now if he if he has to start at point guard right away, there's gonna be growing things. That's common sense. Sure. But this kid's dad is in the hall of fame. In football, the NFL. not basketball, but yes. This kid's dad is in the hall of fame in the NFL. There's a competitiveness that just flows through you if that's what your um, DNA is. So, I who do you think is more competitive, him or or Collier? I think they're probably about the same. Like, I both of those guys are, are guys that I never really, when I've scouted them, I've never had to wonder about, like, is this a, a guy that takes. Plays off. off. Is yeah. this a guy that coasts at times? Mm-hmm. Both of them are push, push, push. Um, so uh, Collier's the better player. He's the yeah. number one player in the country. Um, but I don't. I think their games, other than James being six one and Collier being six five, their style of play is fairly similar in terms of like how they attack, how they constantly are probing a defense, how they're constantly putting pressure on you. That's what I want for my point guard. I want a point guard that's constantly making the defense scramble. Yeah. You know, a rebound, outlet, defense is like yeah. hunting right. for who's got who and how to pick up. That's what I want for my point guard uh, in today's college basketball. Um, with Jizzle, the main thing, like – I think the the biggest difference right now, other than, you know, five inches of height, Collier has made that next step as a shooter. Now, do I think he's a knockdown shooter yet? No. But he's taken that next step as a guy that you can you can feel pretty comfortable with as a shooter. James is still uh, in the process of, of taking that next step. But as a guy that, like, I probably saw 20 times him pressure the defense, the defense sags, and he pulls up from 17 feet and just bangs an open jumper in your face. 
There's, there's no reason that that guy can't expand that range to 22. Is what I'm saying. I mean, you watch that tape, and like you're saying, his his mid range jumper is just so pure, and, it, yeah. and he he gets great separation. He's does everything that you want to see, and and you know if the rotation looks good on that, like you said, he's going to be able to expand it eventually. So, uh, and another thing I I noticed as well in in watching the tape is that like his his teammates are always like loving everything he does. Looks like they love having him, you yeah. know, playing with him and he, he being a beneficiary of his passes. So. Uh, it seems like he's he's just he's a gamer, and Reed, that's what you want. Collier is absolutely an elite passer. He's the best passer I think I've seen since Slow Mo. If you don't know who Slow Mo is, that's Kyle Anderson. He played with the Spurs in the NBA for a long time. But he's 6'9". Um, <laughs> but he's 6'9". But I'm just talking about the ability yeah. to see the floor. Uh, Collier's the best passer I've seen since Slow Mo. Jizzle is a very good passer. Is he elite? No, but there's – you guys know how tough I am on this shit. It, like, to consider you elite, you have to be one of the best I've ever seen. Collier is m- elite. Jizzle James is more than adequate. Royer, your takes on having a guy in the program named Jizzle. <laughs> I was I was going to say that is a bit suspect. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting cheering on let's go jizz or something like that. But, you know, the students are going to have their fun with that one. Um, so, so they're just so you know, they're also recruiting a kid with the last name of Badunga. <laughs> Jizz and so Badunga. Jizzle to Badunga <laughs> for the dunk. <laughs> it's another Jizzle Badunga dunk. Like can you like Dan Horde is going to have to say that at some point oh, in time yeah, if those great. two kids come in here. Yes. Unbelievable. I love it. Jizzle Badunga dunk. <laughs> I can't. I'd love to go somewhere with that, but I, I'm leave it alone. Not, Moving on. Not, what have you guys heard uh, about the development of Odio Guama and Jared Hensley? And the next question actually adds Vic. Um, this offseason, I believe that both guys have a lot of good basketball ahead of their future. Make it three. Uh, I b- believe their development and improvement will help UC get back in the tournament. Any insight from Wes Miller on any of them, if you are able to share? Uh, real uh, quick, though, I wanted to say. Austin P's uh, Twitter handle for their athletics is Let's Go Let's P. Go P. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, go back and, and watch the show we did with Wes Miller a couple weeks ago. You can you can find those answers there. Uh, go back and watch Wes Miller on our show uh, Wednesday night. You can, you can get a little bit of that there. Um, and stay tuned because – I'm going to get to be at basketball practice now starting tomorrow. So I will be there a couple days a week. I will be able to uh, legally now, um, instead of because of archaic and ignorant NCAA rules where the media is not, the media is allowed Royer to do everything football does. I can be there. Basketball from the day the season ends, until the day that a, a official practice starts for that that next season, the media is not allowed to be at workouts. We can't be at anything. Stupid. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. <laughs> but starting tomorrow, I can be at practice. So I will be at practice regularly. Change so stay here. Good. Well, the, the little birdies thing, that joke comes from 
the one thing I'm allowed to go to is open gym. And football, you guys don't just get together on like a Tuesday night and run an 11 on 11. That's not how football, like, that's not <laughs> how football works. Oh, my God. If, that, if they found a way to get that involved, I, I don't know how. <laughs> I'm sure you guys could do it. Oh yeah, we could for sure, but they they run us as much as they can. Right, <laughs> like Notre Dame's full pad in, intramural yeah. football league. <laughs> no way. No way. In basketball, guys run open gym a lot. I'm allowed to to, to pop in and then you know if I if I catch wind of an open gym, I'm allowed to pop in and watch open gym. I'm because just not allowed open. to watch. You could yeah. smell it in the air. You just went there. Yeah, I just I was happening to walk by Birdies. Fifth just, Third Arena, and I heard a basketball bouncing. You just love the so smell walk, of, yeah. of, swe- of sweaty men, and it just attracts. <laughs> Royer, I'm so I'm so I'm so dedicated to this job that on like Wednesday nights at seven p.m., I'm just roaming around campus, seeing if anybody's yes. you know practicing or they're doing anything that's yeah that's how just, dedicated just i waiting am for your opportunity <laughs> um so the, the real birdies will be back starting this week starting wednesday sorry yeah wednesday is when we're when we're gonna be i gotta i gotta pick kelly up from the hospital tomorrow i think she would be upset if she asked me to pick her up and i was like i'm at practice and yeah, that in a couple hours. More that, important things. That answers our next question. When does practice start? Practice starts at 7 a.m. on uh, Tuesday. Um, I will be at practice at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So look for that. I think this is an interesting question. Curious to see how you answer it, Chad. When Wes first took the job, he mentioned he made mistakes in the beginning of his time at UNCG, just going after the best talent and not focusing enough on the culture fit of these players. Have you talked with Wes about how he potentially avoids this mistake again while going after top 50 talent? Um, I think the biggest difference right now is the staff. Because he's now, and, and a lot of these guys were with Wes at certain at, at different points back in the early days of his time at UNCG when they were just swinging to swing. And I always thought, found it funny. There, there have been a lot of staffs over the years that I've been doing this, that like there's a new, the day that there's a new rankings release, all the top movers, this guy jumped 42 spots. Here are the five schools that, re, that offered the biggest risers the day of the rankings release. Well, then you're not recruiting's relationships. You don't recruit numbers. You recruit, what's my relationship with the AAU coach? Do I know the high school coach? Do I know, like, his workout guy, the guy that trains him? Like, and if you do and you've got an in in basketball, that's a football's a whole different beast. Basketball's very specific. And I think Wes has got a staff now with Morgan and Dollar in the South. And Roberts and what breaking up what in the Midwest? Um, Unbelievable! I don't even I, know what's going on. That I I wish I did. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you in the post show. Um, I I think you now have a staff that is able to identify those relationships, talk to the people at the AAU program, the high school program. How is this kid? Is he an asshole? Does he fit? Like, 
you know, what's he about? What's his family life about? What's what's his passion? What's his motivation? <clears throat> and when you have coaches that can get those those real answers, then you can proceed recruiting a little bit differently than uh, just going after the best talent and, and instead being able to say, okay, this kid's also in the top 50, but this kid's who we are and this kid's not. So we're going to pass on this kid and move on with this other kid. All right. If we were putting a parlay together to bet on what 23 recruits will be with us next year, who would be our trifecta of players in order of most likely? They're trying. They're trying real They're trying. hard. Y'all are trying. Like, I give you guys credit. You have found 30 different ways to ask the same question to put me on the spot. It's not fucking happening. It's not happening. <laughs> Lockdown. I would say that the, the top favorite would probably be Rayvon. That'd be my pick. I would, yeah. If I could put a parlay on Rayvon ending up here, I would. There you go. Fair enough. It's hard. Um, it's hard. I know th- this next question is this next question is building a best lineup, and it's already almost two hours in. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think but let's, that's an off-season question. Like, D-Monk, I love you. That's an off-season question. That's not – like, we got a lot of shit to talk about right I now. I got one. Five Oscar Robertsons, but we broke <laughs> okay. the rules. We broke the rules. <laughs> you went over the dollar amount, but I like it. It's a good pick. Is, is there room for Santo – Flory and Page all in the same 23 class here. Probably not. Probably not. That's a lot of freshmen. Like, like bigs take bigs take extra time to develop, right? Yeah. That's a lot of freshman bigs. Even three or, or four or five, whatever, like whatever position they play. I, I don't think you want three freshman bigs. I'd agree. Uh, who would play off ball if Jizzle and Collier played together? Whoever didn't get the outlet pass. When you play with two point guards, that's the beauty of playing with two point guards is you have a guy on each side that whoever gets the pass can just go and pressure the defense and push and do those aggressive things that I was talking about like why you recruit guys like this at the point guard position. Somebody rebounds, and whoever they see first out of those two, that's who gets the pass and goes downhill. Both of them can get to the rim. Both of them can touch the paint. Both of them can pass at a high level. Like that's why you play them together so that you don't have to have like, okay, Guy gets the, you know, power forward gets the rebound and has to take three seconds figuring out where his point guard is to throw the ball to. No, rebound, go. And the guys that have the ball uh, are super dangerous. All right. Uh, that's... Royer, would you agree? I agree. The way you were describing it, I feel like uh, uh, Jizzle, I mean, Collier would probably be better off ball than Jizzle. Better shooter and bigger. Yeah. So, yeah, and he can just. But he's just also the number one. Can create more space for him, driving the lane, kicking it out, getting uh, Collier's defender on his heels a little bit. Well, also the other thing that's exciting to me about two point guard systems is there's a lot of in college basketball now. There's a lot of read and replace. So like the point guard has the ball, he comes off the ball screen, he goes to the wing. 
the guy on the opposite wing replaces him at the top of the key. Yeah. If that's another elite point guard and you've got the defense moving, now and, your ability yeah. to attack. Collier's got the length of a wing too. Yeah, he's six he's six five. Yeah. You're you're pretty good at this basketball stuff. Yeah. Royer. I played. I participated on the basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh when Adam Schefter does his his basketball portion of the Dan Levitard show over here. <laughs> <laughs> I would he dabbles I would think Col- with being an NBA expert. I would think Collier would, would be the one that, that has the ball in his hands the most though. When it when it boils down to it. It was like a John He's Wall. He's the number one point guard in the country. That's why I said it. You gotta get him. You when it's gotta like a John get him. Wall and Eric Bledsoe situation in Kentucky back when then. they were running the dribble drive. Yeah. Just don't get don't get bone zoned. This is such a big that's it's such a big recruit. Not obviously he's the number one recruit, but like the message it will send across the country, the message it will send yeah. about about Wes Miller. I think it will just solidify. I mean, I I've I think he's the man and I think he's hundred percent the answer. And I think if he can land Collier, it's just gonna like cement like yeah. his potential. All right, that's the end of the basketball mailbag and the last portion of this the mailbag. Fun, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> guys, it has been a long day, and I do not have time to kill Aaron, so let's get to rapid fire. Uh, Coney or four-way? Coney. Coney. Uh, chili cheese sandwich, so... Uh, that's not the fucking question. With... <laughs> All right, I'll leave. I'll leave. My <laughs> Uh, if I'm going inside, I prefer a four-way or a five-way. But four-way. there is something different about the. I, I'm three-way. I'm the, like I don't do onions. But I don't. I don't get spaghetti to go. Like I, I right I got it, it to go, but it's not yeah. the same. There's something different about it on those oval plates. Yeah, I think everything like skyline just isn't the same in general to go. Like even like the coney. Like you get in the car and like ten minutes you get home. It just you got to open the box. It's congealed. Lawyer. Yeah, Royer, you have to open. So the the trick is, Ooh, okay, when they give it to you, you open the box, and that way the heat from the chili doesn't melt fully the cheese and congeal it on top. The the or, you know, or uh, Mo Egger Mo Egger's way is cheese on the side on Coney's when he gets them to go. Okay, you can do that, and they just give you the bag of cheese that normally <laughs> goes on your three way. Yeah, and you put that on your Coney's. When you get to your destination, so the cheese is still wow. Fresh. I mean, this is this is some veteran talk here. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I'm getting the insight. I'm a lucky guy. Trail mix or popcorn? Trail mix. Just plain popcorn. I, I'll probably go with popcorn. I love getting popcorn at the movies. I'll say popcorn as well. Brent, are you gone for real? <laughs> All right. Brent. Popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> it's the popcorn. It's the popcorn. Uh, Sega or Nintendo as a kid? I had both. I had neither. I, that wasn't the both. question. <laughs> so mad. Nintendo because I'm a Zelda absolute nerd for Zelda. I started with Nintendo. That's fine. Nintendo 64. <laughs> Still not the question. Uh, P.S. P.S. Thoughts and prayers for Kelly. 
And that's thank you. Uh, like I said, hopefully we get to we get to bring her home tomorrow after her ninety six hours of chemo. The next question, I she's like, been in a better mood every day. I don't know how that. I, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell a Kelly story because I think this this uh, exemplifies Kelly. So I was in her room yesterday, just hanging out, and she's in a she's in a really good mood. Like we're joking around and laughing and um, listening to some comedy sketches on TikTok as I'm scrolling through my TikTok and watching TV after the Bengals game. And um, the nurse comes in and it's about time for the pain medication and whatever. And she's she's good, right? She's she's doing well. And the nurse is like, what is your pain level right now? And Kelly's like, ah, it's pretty good. I think it's at like an 8.4. <laughs> 8.4 Warrior. That's how fucking tough my wife is. Jesus. And 8.4, I'm under the bed. <laughs> if my pain is at a four, I cancel the day. Chad, that's like that's a tribute to you as well. That's how much you've numbed her over the years. Absolutely <laughs> true, Aaron. Absolutely true. 1000 percent true. What's your pain? 8.4, but 8.4 is like a Tuesday at noon. Like <laughs> 8. fucking 4. Man. It's a true I thing. was like, God bless. 8.4. She's like, yeah, it, it pretty much hurts. I'm like, we're <laughs> laughing and having a great, like, this is the most normal you've been in three weeks. The pain over the past three weeks has been significantly more than an 8.4. I married an alien. I'm pretty we sure. need her to do some pregame speeches. Where was she no before shit, Alabama? No get on, get on Fickle's ass at the presser this week. <laughs> you think you're hurting? I'm in an eight point four right now, and I'm in a great mood. <laughs> now go out there and kick some ass. Right. That's that's the mailbag. <laughs> There's other. There was there was another one. I wasn't yeah, touching that one. There's more. I'm touching it. I'm touching it. Aaron, ask, ask the question. I don't have to do it. I'm All in right, charge of the mailbag. I think it's a great question. Ryan, are you familiar with MFK? MFK. Mary. Oh, Kill. yes, yes, yes. Okay. MFK, ice cream, cookies, and cake. This is easy for me. I am marrying the shit out of cookies. Chocolate chip yeah. cookies. I'm not a sweets person. I don't love sweets. But a great chocolate chip cookie for me, like an insomnia cookie, the big one, the, the triple chocolate chunk cookie, that shit is heavenly. Have you had crumble? So, yeah, I've had crumble. Crumble is awesome as well. Yeah. I'm marrying the shit out of cookies. Ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. So you know, aggressive. <laughs> Ice cream, I'm gonna, you know, gonna marry those we're, we're gonna we're gonna ice cream and I are gonna have a good time occasionally. Okay. Yeah. Cake, I can do without cake. Cake's not when my jam. When you're I'm feeling gonna down, me. you're a little lonely, you'll call up right. ice cream. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Or if or if cookies decide that, like, you know, yeah. you got a long cookies run, on. I'm sick of you. Cookies <laughs> moved on to icing. <laughs> I'm uh I'm gonna marry ice cream, fornicate, cookies. Wow. Kill cake. Good word. Good word. <laughs> I like ice cream cake. 
I love, love ice cream too. cake, but that's not the question. I don't care. I didn't even <laughs> ask the question. Ice cream cake is not the question. Ice cream, cake, ice cream cake is just ice cream in a different form. I didn't even want to ask the question. I'm going to marry cookies. My phone keeps getting blown up because the Reds are just getting shelled by the, the Pirates right now. They are. <laughs> <laughs> After a rain delay, it was it was looking fine for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to marry the cookies. Uh, and, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill ice cream. <laughs> I don't have a graders near me here in Indy. I mean, kind of it's not the same thing. But when I'm in Cincy, I'm always getting graders. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kill killing ice cream. ice cream. I don't know. It's a special you're place a in guy. Hell that means you're, you're a cake guy. <laughs> I do like that cake, 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 cake. You know. <laughs> so yeah, I. I'm gonna. We I'm gonna get out I'm of gonna, here before Brent says something. Stupid. Yeah. Oh, I. I almost did. I was so close. I was so close. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how I like it. Um, <laughs> would be that way. Uh, just real fast, guys. Favorite sports documentary. So that Zach Jones gets a quick shout out here. Favorite oh. sports documentary can be a movie or TV series. Cool. Mm. Favorites? Uh, man, documentaries. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a giant documentary guy. I, I mean, I think I've got thirty for thirties, but I none of them are just coming to my head. Right? I guess if we consider thirty for thirties documentaries, I would go with the death of the Big East. I thought that, that like that, that was such like Cincinnati was a part of that. It was they came in on the back end of something that was already because of the divide between the basketball schools and the football schools was never going to be able to like last long term but as a child growing up outside of UC basketball the big east is what forged my love for basketball Carneseca and you know like uh, Calhoun and Bayheim and John Thompson and like all those personalities and the rivalries and what that meant every week on Big Monday on ESPN, which at the time was something that was new because we only got Cincinnati sports on like local TV and cable was just starting to take over. Yeah. And you got to actually see like, and and they were going to Villanova, you know. <laughs> Shaman. What's up, Shaman? What up, man? I think uh Chad, Chad, not to button in real quick, but but the last dance is is hands down for me, but that came out in a in a in a time where there was no sports on, and that was yeah. appointment television. And to get week. Jordan like in it like so many times, like the raw Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like the last dance was amazing. And there's like the crazy thing is. They've tried to, to replicate it with Brady and Jeter and like right. all of those have fallen completely flat. Right. The Jordan thought, one, like you had the, the security guard that they used to ro like roll dice with, like in the back and like right. Rodman and all those stories. Last yeah, dance. But they right. still didn't tell the whole story about how he got suspended from the NBA for two years for gambling. So anyway, I like the uh, the U and the Manti Teo. How about the U? Yeah. 
I didn't see the Manti Teo when I just crazy. That, one, that, that one's dark. That's crazy. Dark. <laughs> Made me feel really bad about all those. You ever been catfish, Royer? <laughs> yeah. I actually yeah. just I just met my girlfriend at the pool sink. Oh, I, I love it. You, yeah. My fingers were crossed. I was like, <laughs> Be I, hope she, I hope she fucking looks like the picture. <laughs> she looks if not, this will be person. a tasty steak, and that's about Aaron, it. Aaron, we're probably not getting monetized tonight. so Probably not. This has gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we keep Roy- – the football stuff is great. The other stuff is why you have Ryan Royer. All There's right. a whole other bag of tricks here. <laughs> Anything else we got, gentlemen? No, I think we covered all the basketball, like the recruiting stuff. I think we touched on all that. Any questions? Yeah. Practice starts tomorrow at, at 7 a.m. Congrats I'll be there to Wednesday. Chad Dollar. Congrats to Chad Dollar, uh, promoted to associate head coach. His – and think – remember, Chad Dollar was the outsider when this staff got hired. Andre Morgan had worked for Wes – at Greensboro, Mike Roberts and Wes Miller went to prep school together. They have been friends since literally like childhood. And Chad Dollar came in last year as kind of the the new guy and has made that type of impression on this program that he's now the associate head coach. Couldn't happen to a better dude. I love Chad Dollar. Like he's a guy that's been in, in, in the game. His dad was a legendary high school coach in Atlanta. That's a guy that knows the game and has been around the game his whole life. So super happy for Chad Dollar. He deserves that shit. Amen. I agree. Uh, well, nothing else from any of you guys. That was and Shaman, thanks for thanks for checking us out, brother. I hope you're feeling all right. I hope you're getting better with the shoulder. Yes, sir. Thank you, Shaman. Miss you, Shaman. You ever run into him? How's that feel? Bad. <laughs> it don't feel too good. It's not. And he was he was a freshman. I was like, holy shit! Like this. These new recruits, man. They. This is a problem. This yeah. is a problem. Over the I, I don't have that enough time hurt. to get up. I don't have enough any more years left of me to get strong enough to go against him. So I better. That's I why you didn't use your COVID year with Shamari. Like I'm good. Retire with dignity. <laughs> why do these freshmen keep getting bigger? <laughs> Why can't I? What's wrong with me? And I keep staying the same size. Yeah. These freshman boys, they get bigger. I stay the same size. Yes. <laughs> all right, you saw all what right, I was going right. for there, Chad. You picked Get up us out of here, Brett. Oh, uh, hey, you know what? A big shout out and a big thank you to Danco Joe and Danco Transmission. I don't care. Always uh, got to shout them out. He got shouted out in the uh, in the chat as well. I didn't see Joe Schweitzer. Said it's random, but Danco Joe is the best. Got the chance to tailgate with him, and it was a pleasure. Chad, Aaron, Ryan, we all know Danco Joe's the man. So shout out to Danco Joe and uh, Danco Transmission. Check him out. Big thank you as well to Ryan Royer hopping on every Monday throughout the football season, and who knows now uh, as things continue to evolve. But aside no from that, now we know he's a bad, like he's a bad like we might need him for basketball. Yeah, yeah. I love basketball. I love watching it. I love Wes Miller. So it's fun. I'm all in. It's fun. It's basketball, baby. It's right around the corner. It's here. Uh, but other than that, big shout out, big thank you as well to uh co-host. I, I guess we'll say co-host Aaron Smith, Chad Brennan, and Ryan Royer. I am yeah. Brent Young. Yet again, guys, 
another fantastic BVP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!